Wardcast episode 128. Woo. Go. Uh, go. 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 Two to the seventh power. Yeah. Two yeah. to the seventh. Let's go. It's, yeah. it's yeah. official. Episode two to the seventh. They probably support <laughs> two carat seven. They no well, they might support superscript. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. If not, there might be a Unicode one for it. There you go. It's only nine digits. <laughs> they have to support that for. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Get on it. Try Come it. On Unicode. Y- Unicode yeah. consortium. Right. <laughs> I'm Dill Alvento. I'm Mike Odom. And you're Mike Odom. Yeah. And I'm Mike Odom. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Dylan Alvento. And I'm Dylan Oh, wait. I'm Will Blanton. Hi, Will Blanton. Hey. Hi, Mike Odom. Hi. How you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. Will, how are you doing over there? Doing pretty good. Yeah? You excited for this? This triumvirate here? Yeah, this is a good... The Mike, good, Will, Dylan? The, the MWD. Trinity. MWD. Yeah. Always good. Always, yeah. St- GB Jr. is still over in Iraq looking for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we're just sitting right here this whole time. Take that. Yeah. Take that, Condi. <laughs> Condi. Uh, yeah, Alex couldn't join us today. Mm. This is the second time. Second time in a row. Come on, Alex. Yeah, One Alex. Of the core team. I miss I miss your face. I miss, I miss your touch. I miss you talking about Overwatch. Well, <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> Let me guess. Something happened in Overwatch League today. <laughs> well, that's why he's not here, you know. Oh, he's yeah. got a report. Yeah, he's, he's, got he's in the, the trenches. Yeah. yeah, he's in the trenches. He's uh, it's business, you know. Wartime reporter, yeah. <laughs> Alex Damrath, coming to you live. That's how I would feel at a big conference or event. Am I right, Dylan? Yeah, one might say like the game developers conference. What's that? Well, let me tell you, <laughs> it is a conference where game developers collect. They collect and they eat overpriced food, and then they complain about why are we in a city that's so goddamn expensive? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why can't we move this conference? You didn't some, just go to else? Subway, unless you go to Tokyo Express or Subway. Yeah, you I go to Subway. Subway. I went to Chipotle. Chipotle oh, Chipotle experience. is yeah. Twice I, I did it twice. And I went to Super Duper Burger once. Super Duper Burger. I got good. veggie burger. I got veggie burger. It was pretty good. No, well, that's not really a burger. That's not. Well, yeah, well, whatever. It's a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Leaf got a chicken burger, chicken sandwich. That's closer. <laughs> We're inching ourselves towards yeah. the, the true, <laughs> the true definition of a burger. Yeah. yeah. Still, why did was I it think good? Leaf was a vegetarian? Because maybe his name. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> it's like, gosh, Leaf. He must be must be a vegetarian. That's what it is. I like Leaf. Leaf is cool. He's good people. He is. He makes Leaf a cool website. He's got a cool beard. Yeah. Good hair color. Yeah. Yeah. Big fan of the red. Oh, yeah. Kind dude. We ran to each other again after we hung out a bunch. Um, we ran to each other in front of Be- uh, Becca's booth or the Night in the Woods booth, right? And he's like, so the big swag, the big take this year was uh, Microsoft Xbox One controllers, right? Like the blue one I have. They were just giving those away. What? At the Microsoft uh... booth. And so the first day they were giving them away. By the second day, it was like, all right, you have to go to each booth yeah. at the Microsoft booth collection thing and talk to talk to the Azure people about, learn about server infrastructure and how great Azure is, and you should use Azure on your next development project. 
Um, he had to do that for like promotional each, hoops. Yeah, I was like, let me tell you about Mixer. Mixer is our upcoming very popular streaming solution. Um, <laughs> so you had to go to each one of those and get like a ticket or whatever the fuck, and then right. stand in a twenty minute line. <laughs> That must have been literally hell for anyone that was running any of those booths. Yeah. yeah. Just have like kids run up and be like, okay, tell me about tell me about Azure real quick. Come on, come yeah, on, come yeah, on, come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, got, I, need, I need to control okay. it. Look, right, I don't know right. how many they you have. They it? might run out. All right, all right, right. She logo, got it. All right, good. Yeah, all right, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'm totally not going to use it. There's but good. no brand consistency with any of the Microsoft products. There never has yeah. been. But like, it's so sad because the Bing logo looks kind of bad. Like, like the Bing logo, like the very angular B. You said kind of? Okay, it looks bad, right? Yeah. The Azure <laughs> logo is just that, but with a capital A, right? Mm-hmm. So the Bing is a lowercase b. Azure is like a very sharp I seen the Azure logo. angular A. I think they just updated it because before it was just, I think, like the Windows font, like Azure. Um, and then Xbox is obviously its own thing. And then Mixer is its own completely different thing. Doesn't even share the same typeface with any of the other Microsoft products. And then LinkedIn, which wasn't there, but like LinkedIn, I guess you could consider a Microsoft product now or a subsidiary. It's all over the place. It's yeah. all over the place. Yeah. Don't even get me started on LinkedIn's fucking UI. Yeah. It's oh just my it's gosh. a wasteland over there. It is. It is a mess. But anyways, so yeah, I was at GDC, which neither of you fuckers went. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but you've been to in the past. Yes. Yep. Uh, roomies. Yeah, roomies. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. That's that was, cool. Was yeah. that a good? Was that a good? Wait, at a hostel or yeah, a, a hostel? Yeah, it's tight. I like the awesome. hostel. Yeah. There's a lot of cool people were at the indie hostel. Um, Robin, uh, creator of Line Wobbler, oh, cool, was there. Nice. Uh, I think Dicey and Kate Gray were also at Indie know. Hostel. Uh, Amanda, the creator of the hashtag Thousand Button Project, nice was was at Indie Hostel. I dropped my card. Oh. Um, well, podcast yeah, it over. Was, it was a. Uh, any hostel seems like a cool place to be. Sam went to the European hostel is where he stayed. Yeah. And uh, I think he had less of a good time because it was just him. Was and that then, the one that we were at? Yeah. What's so They all had like so, their own so, names. So and... there's Indie Hostel A, which is like the Indie Hostel that everyone has. Like So the lobby, like the... like the Is entry... it called Indie Hostel or did they start calling it's it It's colloquially indie known okay, as Indie okay. Hostel because yeah. that's where all the Indies stay. Right. Um, and that's the one with the lobby with like is that big throne chair. Have you seen that chair? The really tall, no. high backed one. No. no, don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, and then there's Indie Hostel B, which I believe is in the Tenderloin. And okay. actually, I think that's where Kate Gray stayed because Kate was telling me about that. Um, and then there's like a bunch of other different hostels. And then there's like a bunch of shitty hotels. So there's like Hotel Fusion or whatever. Like they all have like semi-seductive sounding names it's it's weird and then there's like then there's like the actual like the hilton and the and the w and a bunch of other ones uh i didn't see dave lang at all i was talking to becca i was i wanted to meet dave lang and she was like well if you go in the w at night he's just gonna be there shouting so just (laughs) just swing by there i was at the w one night hanging out with people but yeah now um, the w i remember all right so let's do this chronologically okay 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 all right uh, th- this will rewind. Help, help. <laughs> was that was that an okay rewind sound? It's 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 great. Exceptional. Okay. All right, yeah. <laughs> it was all right. I, I give it a solid. <laughs> I give I give it like an That's just a dying car. It's <laughs> <laughs> organ grinder going really slow. So I did Train Jam first, right? Um, which, if you're not familiar, Chi Town to. San, the to Frisco to Frisco Chattown oh. to Frisco. <laughs> they love it when you call it Frisco. Uh, so yeah, fifty-two hours on a train. Wow. 
um, starting from Chicago, going to San Francisco. Uh, a lot of fun. Real awesome. Met a lot of cool people. Uh, the night before in Chicago, I went to Bitbash. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, which Bit Bitbash was Bitbash was cool. Um, I didn't play anything. I was just walking around because I didn't know anyone there. Like I had talked to a couple people there early in the day because like the hangout spot, the pre train jam hangout spot was in the same bar. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to people there, and I came back, and I'm like, I don't see anyone I talked to earlier today, so I guess I'm just going to wander around and maybe not play these games. And but it was cool. There was a Lauren Schmidt game there. Oh, nice. Um, uh, a colleague of mine, Rafi, who who is uh, runs the Lunar Signals or is Lunar Signals. Um, his game, uh, the Moonfields, was there. Uh, so it's not like just a bunch of TVs. Like there's like maybe it's it's all projectors, right? Um, and so there's a projector like showing a really big screen and that's where Rafi's game was for the Moonfields and then there were two projectors like showing on the opposite sides and then there were like a couple TVs uh on on the floor and then the Johan Sebastian Joust people were there with their new game which I forget what it's called it's like something I some, love that name it's something something soiree it's like another it's another uh-huh. p- historical person's name and then soiree uh and their game is like 20 move controllers strung up from the ceiling and they're hanging upside down and it's like a color matching game so there's like four colors um and you have like three people on a team and at least one of each color has to be touched by someone so you have to do like this coordinate thing of like you know there's only three of us but we have six hands so we have to make sure we at least touch all four colors and it's like you know red blue green yellow or something right does that make sense you following this Mike, no, you lost me at controllers from okay. the All right, ceiling. So they're literally <laughs> hanging upside down. So like the 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 yeah. the yeah. the ice cream cone part is pointing upside right. down, and there are rounds, and every round all the colors randomly change. Uh, okay, and then so you have to grab two and then push down on whatever the back button is, right? Um, like L or whatever, and put push down on it to mark that as a hit, and then if you're if one of each color has been held on to then you win that round and then it randomizes again and then you have to play it again and then the game fails when you've only touched three colors that round mm-hmm. um it was really cool i was like watching it for like a solid half hour and the yeah. line was like wrapped around oh the yeah room. no doubt I was like, I ain't, but i like it took me a while to understand like how the game worked and i think raffi or someone explained it to me the next day at the train jam thing so he's gonna be boxing that up and selling yeah, it yeah, right selling, yeah selling <laughs> 20 move controller controller behind. right yeah uh, it's one it's one bundle yeah, right yeah it's 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 a thousand dollars right <laughs> yeah no um so that was cool um they had frog fractions there for some reason you could right. just play frog, frog fractions. fractions one yeah okay um they were at the part where you're making the bug porn on the terminal and selling that, if you remember that part, I've never played Frog Fractions. Oh, neither. Uh, well, there are, there are many there are many stages to Frog Fractions, and there's yeah. a part where you become uh, you go to Mars, and you go on trial on Bug Mars for killing a bug, and then you become the president of Bug Mars, and then you start playing a text adventure on your computer in the Bug Mars White House, and then you start making pornography and selling it, and then it turns into like a game of lemonade stand. Yeah, it goes places. Wow, <laughs> um, it's a journey. I thought it was just you answer math questions. I honestly did too. <laughs> <laughs> I want Frog Fractions three to just be that. To yeah. just like just there's, math. there's no turn. It's just people it's play just for math. like d- years. 
It's literally frog practice. It's like just, desert just, golfing, but with math problems. Just, <laughs> the, the, the denominators get ridiculously large. <laughs> They're like eight figures long. Uh, you start using imaginary numbers. Um, but yeah, so Bit Bash happened, and then we went to uh, went on Train Jam. And um, so we all collect in Union Station in Chicago. And Union Station's fucking big. All right? Like, the train station here... In Richmond, like, yeah. I've been yeah. to train stations before, and it's, like, a single platform. So I'm like, all right, we're going to meet at the single platform right. Union we're Station. We're going to meet at the train area. <laughs> and so I open the door into the station, and it's just a flight of stairs down, and you go downstairs, and it's as busy as, like, Grand yeah. Central or, like, a, you know, any sort of New York metro terminal. It's just people running around, and there's, like, thousands of listings of, of, of you know, trains coming in and going out, and I'm just like, what is going on? This was a mistake. <laughs> and I had to figure out where it was going because, like, Adriel didn't really specify, like, where in the station we were supposed to meet. We're meet. Well, she said we're meeting in, like, this ballroom, but that's not on any of the maps. Mm. But, like, but it's part of, like, the Grand Hall, and it's, like, a room attached to that. So I eventually found my way. And then, so, hung out there for a couple hours, and then, so I was talking to people. I talked to, uh, I talked to Rafi some more. I uh, talked to, um... Elisa from PlayStation. She's a senior account manager. Cool for the cool. for the indie side of PlayStation. Have you haven't interfaced with her yet? No. She's really nice and really cool. Um, talk to me about kind of like the process of getting your game on. Yeah. PlayStation, which sounds really easy and simple from the it's sounds been, of it. It has been so far, but what did she say? Like she it, was like, anything? okay, so you register on the on the portal, right, for right, the, the right. development portal, which I've seen before and stuff. And it's like once you register there, we send you a dev kit. And then you just work on your game, and when it's ready, you just put it on the store. And then maybe if you have a publisher, maybe like if you want to purchase like an ad slot or something like on the store page, right. like we can work with you there. But I'm like, there's no, there's no gate from your end. You don't. I mean, I don't think they do QA because Steam doesn't even do QA uh, or like cert in that sense. But I'm like, mm-hmm. there's there's no other sort of gate. It's like, oh, we don't think this game will sell well, so therefore we're not going to put it on your platform. So they don't do a. a- code review or anything because they thought, might do like a very basic one I'm, I'm i'm trying to i well that's something we've been gearing up for is why i asked because okay. well i don't know we were told we need to but. okay i don't want to mislead you and i don't want but that would be totally cool misspeak. if we didn't have to do that anymore I, <laughs> I think what what it is is like they don't like it's not like green light or something yeah right? yeah like they don't prevent games from getting on there because they think right it's not high enough quality yeah, they're not gonna go, this sell. isn't gonna sell so no way it's getting on there yeah and she said the only game we've ever had to like prevent from coming on our platform is genital jousting <laughs> genital <laughs> jousting is literally <laughs> the only game that they've had to like yeah well, because of the content of this we can't have it on the platform i guess the world's gonna miss out then yeah um just fork parker playing genital jousting by himself in his mansion sad um we're great i don't know i don't know i mean <laughs> he seems like a guy that enjoys a robust phallus or two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Maybe PlayStation will come out with like PSN after dark and then <laughs> PSN we'll after dark. General, general, generally we'll be getting genital jousting. But that's the only game on there. There's nothing else. Adult nothing PSN. Else, yeah. That and hatred. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait for the hatred skin for genital jousting. But yeah, so I talked to her. She was cool. Uh, we formed teams. Um, the theme of train jam was odyssey mm. and adriel was immediately like all right no friggin super mario odyssey spoofs riffs jokes guys be, a, be a little more creative <laughs> than that come on um 
so my team was me. Uh, wow. Just me. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> well, it's funny because I put that. You were on your I, team? I put that poll on the Slack. Yeah. Where I was like, should I work by myself? And everyone was like, no. Yeah. Make a team, um, which good call. Um, I, I was leaning that way anyways. I just didn't really know anyone or like knew. I just, I, I, you know, I've done jams before, but this one seemed like so much more larger. Yeah. Larger than life. Um, but so my team was um, me, uh, Matt Gambell, who runs a studio called Skatanic, um, out of Brighton, oh, yeah. Brighton, England. Um, he made a game called RPG Tycoon. Um, he's making a new game called Living the Deal. He, he so he likes he, he makes primarily sim games. Um, him, his friend Keaton White, is it? He's a he used to be a producer at Capcom in Japan, and now he's indie and he works out of uh, I think Ohio. Um, I can't remember the n- name of his game off the top of my head. I'm sorry, Keaton. And then Craig Barnes, who is a composer. And so he's made, he made the music for, uh, Streets of Rogue, which is a tiny build published game. Um, Nano Golf, which is a game that just came out. Nice. Um, a lot, of, really cool, a lot of cool talent. Uh, so Matt and Keaton were programmers, uh, Craig did the music, obviously, and I did all the art. Yeah, which right was on. really interesting um, because because they give you little stickers. Be like, all right, this one means you are a programmer. This one means you're an artist. This one means you're a musician or composer, and this one means you're a designer. So just put each one. So I was like, all right, designer, artist, programmer. And Matt was walking by with Craig, and he's like, looks at my name tag, and he's like, you do art. We need an artist. I was like, oh, oh okay. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they um, caught me. <laughs> shit, call my bluff. Break a window. Right. Jump, Jump out. out. Yeah. You're in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> tuck and dive. Tuck and dive. Oh, yeah. uh, just rolling down the Rockies. But yeah, so so actually went really well. So I did pixel art because everyone loves everyone loves pixel oh, art. Yeah. yeah. Slow. And uh, I had I had a sprite with me, good old a nice. sprite. Um, but yeah, we made a game called uh, Track Trek, which uh, so one of one of Matt's like um, constraints he wanted to put on it. He's like, I want to do a multiplayer game. Uh, I want to do a two uh, a two player game. And Keaton was like, Well, I don't like competitive multiplayer games. So let's do a co op game. Um, so our game is a cooperative track laying game kind of like lego loco or like you know parts of sim city where you collect resources um you chop down trees and those turn into wood and you take the wood and you turn into tracks um you have a little curse so you have a little conductor dude which is your avatar and there's like a cursor um on the screen like so it kind of plays a little bit like stardew valley where there's always a cursor in front of you where you're facing nice and you can plop down tracks if you have the appropriate resources for it and this train is just constantly moving on the tracks, and you have to keep up with it and get it to its final destination. That's cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, it's on. It's on itch. If you want to play it, I can put a link on the show notes. Yeah. I. Uh, it requires two Xbox controllers, specifically Xbox One. It might use PlayStation or Xbox 360 controllers. We didn't really play test it for that. Um, oh, come on, place I, testing is very important. Though. Yes. Quite right. Didn't, Quite you right. All, mm-hmm. didn't you guys have multiple, like, PS4? Just had everything. Uh, we tried hooking up. Wobble Garden to it wasn't taken. Tried hooking up. Uh, I walked into the observation car one night, 
and Robin was demoing Wobble Garden to like just people. And that was like the only light on in the room. Like all the overhead lights had gone off and it was just like neon was like thrown around <laughs> the room. And I'm like, what is happening? And this one guy just looks at me. He's like, put these on. And he just had a pair of glasses. I put them on and they had like refracted lenses. So yeah. they, it was like a kaleidoscope oh, cool. view within my eyes. And I was like, oh, <laughs> and I, you're moving. I just want to go to bed. <laughs> All senses are just active. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Robin, Robin's a really cool dude. Moment asked. He's like, if someone says Robin at GDC, ask him how much line wobbler is. And as he said that, I turned around in the observation car and Robin was facing the other way, like looking out the window on the other side. So I just like got up, walked across the aisle, sat down. And I was like, hi, I'm Dylan. Uh, you're Robin, right? He's like, yeah. It's like, how much is Line Wobbler going to be? He's like, I'm probably going to price out $1,000. I was like, cool, thanks. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, it's going to be a grand moment. He's like, awesome. <laughs> but um, apparently people are telling me, you know, if you want to buy a commercial wobble, or line wobbler, you're probably not going to get it because it's probably it's taking him a long time to uh, manufacture those. Yeah, no <laughs> and, doubt. And even get into the people that he's already promised units to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but no. So Train Jam is awesome. Um, got to meet a lot of cool people. Talked to so so Matt and Keaton had a uh, had a sleeper car that was very small. So it was like basically two like the chair I'm sitting in wide, mm-hmm. and then another chair on the other side facing it, and that's how big it was. And there was like a a cot that came down over top and then the two chairs folded out into another bed. So that's cool. how you could fit two people on it. But there was like a little, a little like ledge next to Matt's seat on his side that either Keaton or I would just sit on and we would program or work on stuff together. <laughs> nice. Um, but they were in the car with uh, Adriel and Rami and um, Teddy Deef oh, wow. was on the other across the hall. I say halls, but the hall is like two feet wide. Right. So like on the adjacent car or an adjacent room it was teddy deef and uh if you ever mispronounce his name is it renault the programmer on fez yeah renault is that how you pronounce it um that's how i do it in my head yeah so it was those two uh they they shared a room and then it was matt and keaton um so i got to hang out with teddy a bunch adriel rammy um talked to talk to renault like once during the trip but he was like more in the observation cars a lot of cool people dicey was there though i'd never saw him mostly because i didn't know what dicey looked like before i got to gdc um and then i met him at gdc um a lot of cool stuff it was it was, it's a surreal experience so i've never been west of san antonio my entire life uh so this is the first time in california first time west of of san antonio first time in that like part of the country right like i've been in chicago I've been in O'Hare for like a couple hours. That's all the time I spent in Chicago before. Um, but it was, it's, you know, it's a, it was wild. It's awesome. Everyone should do train jam. I can't not do train jam now and go to GDC. It sounds great. Because like people joke like, all right, on the second day, it's like, get all your work done on the first day. Cause on the second day, you're just gonna be distracted by the scenery. It's like, it's beautiful. You go through such beautiful vistas going through this train so like it starts out in chicago right and then you go into like um you go into south dakota and then you go into colorado and from there you go into the rockies and it starts out it's like all right we're in we're in colorado whatever it's kind of flat you know rocky you know we're, we're high up but it's kind of, it's it's kind of plain and then as soon as you get into the rockies it's just like you're climbing a mountain and then just turns into like a snow-covered landscape and you're just That's like awesome. going through like what feels like the north pole or something through all of this and stuff. You're just, just like I like Dark Souls one better because the areas were more interconnected. This feels like I just popped out in <laughs> yeah, a totally different planet. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, but the but the 
the the biomes, the the vistas change so <laughs> so quickly because uh-huh. you go from the Rockies and then you go down into like Nevada, and Nevada has like has like uh, plateaus and mesas and deserts and plains and all this stuff, and so it's just rapidly changing through the course of like a day and a half. Yeah, and then you get in the Sierra Nevada, and then you're back into like snow, and then you go through like Lake Tahoe, and Lake Tahoe at that point was like covered in snow, like multiple feet of snow. And then um, after that, we actually had to stop at Lake Tahoe because the snow was so thick over the tracks that a different train had derailed, like a Union Pacific like cargo train and derailed. So they brought, I forget what the term was Adriel told me, but they brought a, uh, basically a... um, Tugboat. A tugboat, no. They brought a car with a, with a, um, why can't I think of the word, with a... Not a sled. Dinosaur. Yeah, the dinosaur. No, what's Crane. the guy? Go- the goddamn no. The thing that pushes snow on the front of a vehicle. Plow. A plow. Yeah. Uh, it had a you plow on it. And so uh, we had this plow car, this plow train in front of us that was pushing the snow off the tracks. And then we would follow. And we, so we were starting to move a little slower. And the conductor comes into the observation car and talks to Adriel because we had the entire train. Like there were no regular passengers. It was just us. Right. And he goes, I'm sorry. We're going to be a little, we're going to be late. Uh, we're gonna be slow going for a while because we we can't go too fast because of the snow. And we have to get the snow off the tracks. And Adriel's just like, we don't care. Take as much time as you need. We need to finish these games. Yeah, we're like, working on half of the here. people here. Are like, can you stop? <laughs> can we, how yeah. can we sabotage the train? Yeah. Um, the and the conductor was like, that is the first time I have ever heard anyone on this train route ever say we're okay with being delayed. Uh, so it's like, well, I mean, it gives us more okay, time. Yeah, we got time to work. Um, so yeah, so we went through all that. We uh, stopped a couple times, but the stops were only like between like five and ten minutes long. Um, we stopped really long in in uh, Denver, but it was like six in the morning. So I f- had gone to sleep, and then I woke up, and my it felt like my ear had exploded because we went up in such high altitude. Um, and then I just look outside, and we're in Denver. I'm just like, Ugh. and I didn't pack enough food. So I just like just stumble out of the train, be like, I need to get like provisions or something. And there was like a convenience store as part of the platform. So I just bought a bunch of stuff there. Nice. Uh, because I was so afraid of bringing any sort of nuts or trail mix or anything, which is mostly when I what I eat when I travel. But because of Adam's peanut allergy, I couldn't remember if they said, I mean, I know they said no peanuts, but I can't remember if they said Nothing that's been manufactured in the same place as a peanut, right? That's shared like an assembly line. But then I found out like the first day of the train, it's like, yeah, if you have something that's like made where peanut stuff is made, that's fine. Like as long as it doesn't have peanuts in it. So I'm just sitting there having only bought like a bunch of freeze dried fruit that I could find at the Target. And I just look across the aisle and there's just a guy like with a giant can of planters, like tree nuts, with like walnuts and whatever. He's just like, hung, hung, hung. following the rules. I'm just, well, no, he was following the rules, but he like just brought a bunch of more food, and I'm just like, Ugh. so next year, need to bring an actual water bottle, and need to bring more snacks because I was super dehydrated on that wow. train ride by the end of it, um, and did well, not. There get was enough no to meal eat. car. There was, um, and I actually ate lunch there on the last day with Adriel, Matt, and Keaton. But so if you have a sleeper car, you get uh, meal tickets. You get like two meal tickets. Um, if you have a coach class car or seat, you get um, five snack tickets. So there's underneath the observation 
car because it's a two-story train, which also freaked me out. And I was like, oh, I've been on a train before. It's like, whatever. And it's just this massive, just iron machine that's two stories tall. And I'm just like, well, not literally two stories tall, but it can fit Yeah, right. the height of two people. I'm like, what is this? Um, but underneath the observation car is like a snack car. Um, and you can use your tickets there to redeem snacks. But it's like a bunch of like Cheetos and Doritos. I'm like, I, I imagine they're, if you were buying them, they were pretty expensive then. Uh, I don't know if they, I mean, it probably, I, I don't know how much like a single serving size snack bag of Doritos goes for nowadays. But yeah, they were probably like three, four, three dollars. Oh my God. Yeah, it's like 90, 50 cents to 99 cents or something like that. So so but so it wasn't a lot there for me to eat. Like they had fresh oranges, but like they started to like go bad by the end of the trip and there was like two left. And I'm like, well, I'm just gonna have to make do with what I got. But it was fine. I mean I wasn't dying or anything. Uh but yeah, so we finished the game. Um got to got to Did you poop on the train? I did poop on the train. Speaking of making do. Yeah, I made I made <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice. How was that? Yeah. How, how are how the privies? How are the how are the facilities? Yeah, or just the experience, I guess. Um, like the experience of being on a train for and that pooping, long. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Specifically the pooping. All right. Well, if I've we, pooped in a plane before. That was cool. Ooh. Um, still so, haven't done so that. Cramps. Not looking forward to it. I just don't like being in cramped spaces like that. Yeah. You just can't have a real decompress. You can't be yourself, <laughs> <laughs> for lack of a better word. Um. Uh well I'll tell you what going to the bathroom on a train and then going to the bathroom on solid ground afterwards you're just constantly still moving <laughs> right, like you're, you're on a train the whole time yeah. like I was standing in Alex Rice's apartment because that's where I was staying in GDC and I was just like shuffling back and forth because I was expecting the thing I was in to move um the Vice crew was also there uh, that that oh yeah the documentary actually went up um. As part of like the Vice Nightly News or whatever the their HBO thing. Oh, very oh, cool. Went up. Check that out. Yeah, yeah. earlier this week. That's um, awesome. Uh, they didn't interview me. I don't know why. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> uh, but, but there might be like some B roll in there with me in there. Nice. Um, but there was a part where one of the the camera woman was uh, filming us in the observation car, and this was only like probably like an hour or two into the trip. Like we had just gotten on board, and we're still like getting our train legs. And there's like three of us like walking single file like towards the camera, but we're trying to get to like the next car over, and we, and the train kind of jostles, and we all kind of trip over ourselves a little bit <laughs> and like stumble either like to the left or to the right, and I just say I was like, well, we're getting this excellent B-roll of us like yeah. tripping over ourselves, and like they actually headlined with that, I'm sure. They're, I like, I really hope I really hope that made it into the the final document. That would be great. And then there was another documentary being filmed there, or like another, because like I ran into a guy at GDC. Train Jam the movie. I don't know what it was, but I ran into him at GDC and he still had his 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 rig with him and he was taking footage there. And I was like, oh, I saw you on the train. And he was like, are you with Vice? And he's like, no, I'm with, there was another crew filming stuff hmm. for like a competing, I don't know, mini doc or whatever. I don't know what it was for. But yeah, so we did Train Jam, um, finished the game. Uh, got to uh, the train ended in Emeryville. Um, basically, every time we stopped was an opportunity for Rami to play with his drone. Like, so we stopped in Grand Junction, uh, Colorado, and him and Matt, because Matt is good friends with Rami, uh, both own the same drone because they were playing with it at Reboot Develop uh, last year. 
Jeremy showed Matt his drone, and then Matt was like, "Yeah, I need to get this." So he bought the just the same model. Um, so they were just like little kids, like ready to get onto the platform and just like take <laughs> flight awesome. with their drones. Um, and but like they had difficulty with it because the the drones operate on a compass, so it has to find true north before yeah. it can take flight. Right. But it's standing next to a giant train made of ferromagnetic metal. Yeah. Yeah. So. We stopped in Salt Lake City one night, and Ramy hops out, and he like puts the drone down. And he's like waiting for it to like calibrate, and so it can take off. And he was just like, "It's not working. Like the compass can't get a read." And so he just kept walking down the platform, putting the drone down, trying to test it again, <laughs> picking it up, walking farther down the platform, putting it down, trying to test it. And he was just like at the end of the train, like beyond the train. Right. By the time like he could get it to take flight, and he's like, "I gotta do this really fast because we're close to an airport and." You know, we might be breaking FAA regulations by putting this thing in the air. And someone, I think, um, I think this woman worked for uh, uh, Feminist Frequency. She like copped off the train and she kind of like overheard that. And she just points at the drone and goes, crimes, crimes, <laughs> crimes. Um, and then so all of us started like chanting crimes. And crimes, then this crimes, one, crimes. this this one person walks off the train and is like, wait, why is, why is, Rami's drone taking off illegal and without skipping a beat Teddy Deef turns to that person and says Mormon law prohibits drones from taking flight <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like this is the best experience ever and then we all sang the Wii Shop music for some reason or no the Wii the Wii home home channel music um it was Aww, a good it was a good sweet. it was a good trip it was it was it was good uh but yeah so we got to Emeryville took an Uber over to San Francisco Got all my stuff out. Um, that was Saturday, the Saturday before GDC, um, and then and then GDC happened. Met met a lot of met a lot of awesome people. Went to went to some talks. It was mostly me just kind of hanging out with people. Yeah. At 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 different things. That's the best way which, to do it. Which pass did you get? I got an expo. Just got an expo. So I uh, had an expo pass, and there I wasn't like, you know, if I if I looked at the list more closely there probably been some talks i would like been more jonesing to go like scott benson's talk looked interesting um uh ben meyer's talk about like how to send a good email uh (laughs) if you're in the industry his talk looked interesting um the i went to rammy's talk the one reason to be because it was part of the advocacy track and expo pass holders can go to that oh cool um but there was like no big pass i was like or no big um talk i was like i gotta go to this i gotta go to this i gotta go to this um but i did I ran to Chris Charla, uh, the guy that runs ID at Xbox, on like Thursday or Friday. And I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, nice to meet you. Really enjoying GDC. He's like, oh, yeah. I was like, go to any cool talks. It's like, well, I only have an Expo pass. And he's he's just like, we'll just borrow someone's yeah. speaker pass yeah. next year or bar- borrow someone's like Summit pass. And I was just like, as someone that like runs like a major arm, like a publishing arm of a major right. company, should you be saying that? <laughs> Would UBM be like cool with you just saying that? Yeah, here's how you cheat the system. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, no kidding, because we all know it's bullshit. Right. Um, here's my ID at Xbox password. Just get in anytime you want. <laughs> but yeah, uh, and no, it was a cool thing. Like I, I could go on and on about people I I met and stuff, but I don't want to. I don't want to take up the entire the entire show just talking about me myself and I. But if you guys have any questions about like anything that happened there. Or, curious about any of the i have some there's some stuff that was like being major talking points that we can talk about that's more right, of a right. discussion than than me being like and then i met this person <laughs> and then i met that person and that person was cool um 
Well, I'm just curious for reference for those of us who didn't go this year and, you know, people that might want to go, like, what did you end up uh, spending this year? Like, what did you, what was the, what was the, I guess, your full budget? Oh, how how much? Train jam and all, like. How much did I spend? Um, If we're not counting food or lift rides, I spent $800 on the train jam ticket, which was like a little over a hundred. My one night at in Chicago, which was at like a best Western, which was a hundred dollars. And then uh, my plane tickets to Chicago. And then from San Francisco back to pretty good. Yeah. Free accommodation. I had free accommodation. So like that cut off a major, you know, part of the, the expenses. And then I probably spent somewhere around from taking lifts from Alex's place, which was in Russian Hill to uh, Moscone was probably like, it was like, do that every day. Yeah. So you weren't you weren't around the convention center at night or like when were no, you? No, I was. I'm saying whenever I was like, all right, Tom, I'm I'm done for today. Yeah. So I right, only, right. so I only went back and forth once each way. It was like a ten dollar lift each way. It's not bad. Were so, they doing any promotions or anything while you were there? Not that I could see. So I probably dropped a hundred. They got buses, Dylan. Yeah, but the bus takes forever. And if I have a meeting or something, or I have someone I need to see or something, I'm not gonna wait 30 minutes i could walk to moscone from russian hill in 30 minutes i'm not gonna take a 30 minute muni ride i'm just gonna i'm just gonna take a lift granted if i plan my time better i would probably do that instead yeah and just like get a clipper card and just hop on muni because the weekend after gdc alex and i were exploring going around and we were we were taking muni um it's pretty good it's pretty good i like it it's fine it's a it's a good bus slash light rail system it's crazy though just the light rails everywhere um mm-hmm. we got into one platform because we were going to this park i forget the name of the park i mean it wasn't golden gate it was like a smaller park um and we had to take the j and so we were looking at our phones it's like all right it stops over here and so we hop onto the platform on the street and we talk to this woman or alex asks uh does the j stop here she goes that's downstairs or that's underground and i'm like what and then there's just a basically like a metro like staircase that like <laughs> takes you down. There's a turnstile and you walk through the the turnstile and and there's just a basically a metro platform yeah. and you hop on cool. it and then it goes back up above ground. <laughs> right. But right. like the guy is manually so it's like a two car like little light rail thing. But he's like driving it on the road, just on the rail lines on the road. Yeah. And he has to stop it stoplights and stuff and i'm like this is this is crazy like (laughs) this seems dangerous as hell i wouldn't want this job i have to throttle up and then i have to stop immediately at the stoplight this seems crazy it's a lot of responsibility yeah um but it was cool cool riding it around i mean i like i love trains um big train guy yeah big train guy (laughs) um but yeah no that was fun so so probably spent a hundred dollars there for just transportation within the city um maybe a little bit more um, and then food, I probably dropped like maybe like a hundred, no, probably more like $200 on food. So all in all, it was probably like a, uh, $1,100 for the trip. That's not bad at all. Which isn't, yeah. Yeah. That's not, good. Not, I mean, that's bad. like the cost of one of the more expensive passes. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. And I bought an Expo pass obviously, which was like 150. Yeah. So that included that into the base $800. The Expo pass route is really still what i would recommend i think that that's yeah i think a it's a good fine. way to go i think it's fine i mean felix was talking about like you don't even need a pass like just show up you could you could get away with no pass it's true yeah. but a, a pass will get you into a lot of 
conversations and parties that you might not be able to get into too. Oh, I don't know. I didn't see any parties that restricted based on if you had a pass. But there were a lot of there lot were of a parties couple I didn't go to when we were there the other year. But yeah, maybe they don't. Like I didn't go to the mix. I don't know if the mix requires you to have a pass. I didn't go. Uh, Sam was like, "Let's go to this Touch Arcade uh, party." I was like, "All right." And then we walked by it, and it was like in a club, and there's a line out the door, and they were like, you know, gating people in uh, because maybe they were at capacity or something. I'm like, "Uh." And then right next door is like a barcade. I'm like, "Let's go to that." Yeah, go yeah. to that. Yeah. And so we just walked through the barcade and just played like Time Crisis Two and did a bunch of shit. Oh, Time Crisis. Time uh, Crisis. It's a, it was a good. It was a good time. Crisis. Yeah. Two. Two. Um. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, most GDC mostly for me was about meeting people I've had on the podcast I've never met in person, just right. like shaking their hands, saying hello, uh, meeting people that I look up to or would like to have on the podcast or have, you know, you know, just want to have general discussions with. Like, I didn't know Teddy Deef before Train Jam. Like, Teddy, like, got up out of his car and, like, walked to, like, use the restroom or, or walked out of the car to get lunch or something. And I like looked at Matt and I was like, what has Teddy worked on? Like, he just seems familiar, but what has he worked on? He's like, uh, he worked on Hyperlight Drifter. And I was like, oh, 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 that game. <laughs> oh, um, and he also does like Glitch City out yeah. of LA and stuff, but, uh, which I think Sam's been to now that Sam, our stalwart Sam Lotion is, <laughs> has moved to Los Angeles. Is that permanent? Um, for the time being, uh, on, Sam. we'll see what happens. Really? Uh yeah he 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 got it well I don't I don't want to blow up a spot but yeah he he got an offer out there I had no idea yeah wow um but he was telling me it was like depends on how my pitches went with the people I talked to at GDC was like, maybe 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 things will change yeah uh wow so we'll see but Sam Sam had a great GDC I'm just gonna speak for Sam Sam had a great GDC especially when it comes to uh Silent Earth's future right. I feel like he had a lot of good uh. A lot of good meetings and pitches from what he told me. Excellent. Wow. Um, so very happy and excited for Sam. Um, go, Sam. I, on the other hand, my pitches didn't go so hot, uh, but that's okay. Um, it was more an educational for educational purposes yeah. um, and stuff. Uh, it still kind of hurt. <laughs> Will and I had a conversation on Slack about that, but uh, it was, I don't know. It, so uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Is it Johan Men? Uh, the guy that did Where the Water Tastes Like Wine, Dim Bulb uh, Games, he just did a write-up about yeah. uh, <laughs> Where the Water Tastes Like Wine did not do well. Um, he said for like the first couple of weeks, it uh, did, it sold less units than he has Twitter followers, and he has like 4,500 Twitter followers to give you an idea of what that is. But the game has been like, the game he said has like a 75% on Metacritic, um, and people... There are a lot of people that are like really, really like it, and then there are a lot of people that are kind of turned off by it. It's like a... To- I think it's a polarizing... Yeah, it's like a 10 to 20 like hour um, narrative-based game where it's like a lot of like visual novel-esque like influences. And you're, you're, it's it's based off like Americana and folklore and like the American heartland. It's a like very, right. very striking, very cool game. Sting is in it. <laughs> Sting voices... Yeah, I anthrop- read that part and I was like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. Voices an anthropomorphic wolf um he would yeah yeah so it's someone was wearing a wolf mask at gdc and someone tweeted a picture of it It was like hey look stings here ah. <laughs> uh so it's pretty good but yeah so the game hasn't been doing well commercially right yeah. and he's just like it is so hard to do a game well now and then uh yeah. nick capazzoli uh who's a critic 
had this conversation about on Twitter about how I wish developers would um, ask themselves questions before going full bore into developing a game of like, does this game need to exist? Is this game unique enough? And all these other sorts of questions. And I responded to him like, that's a tough question to kind of answer, especially answer honestly, because how do you, how do you, how do you answer that question? Where do you get the data from that? And the example I was like, say I, I worked on a six month prototype for a game and I show it at a, a con and people seem generally very positive on it. Right. Because you like usually get positive responses at conventions. At least it's been my experience. Like people aren't straight up like this game sucks to you. Um, I'm like, well, what happens if you go to a con and you've been demoing this game that you've been working on for six months and you have the sunk cost fallacy there with you? It's like the questions of, you know, pulling yourself away from your work is very hard to do, especially at that point. And then even then, how do you know the data you're gathering for that is even credible or or valuable you know if you're asking people and they're like yeah this game's good or no this game sucks it was like well, what's the biggest enough sample size to determine i have the right answer now i should no longer be working on it right in the past like adam saltzman's talked about how like yeah i've worked on games for like half a year or something and then i'll show them people and they're like yeah it's good and then that's my key that keys me in to tell me i need to stop working on this game because right. if, if someone's not super super excited about my game then it's not going to do well. Mm-hmm. But it's like, okay, but how many people is enough to say, okay, these... Because I've had people be like, Peak's awesome. This is amazing. This is really cool. Come check this out. And yeah, it's not every person, but I get right. that every once in a while. And then yeah. most people play it and they're like, this is really good. I like this. And they'll ask the the usual questions of what platforms are coming on, what's the price point, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I think it's just a really hard question to have or to ask yourself and especially like, so, you know, I had a pitch that didn't go well at GDC and it made me feel very doubtful and scared about peak and am I right, making the right game and God damn it, Steam's trying to come up again. <laughs> <laughs> Just really wants to uh, update. And it made me, it made me doubt like, is this the right game to make? Should I be making this game? Is this game going to do well? What are my measurements for success? What are my expectations? Mm-hmm. And, you know, peak's my first game like that. I want to like make a quote unquote a commercial game like right. i want you know i want it to be on on steam i want it to be on a platform i want people right. to be able to purchase it and play it. And it's gonna be a full-length game not like the game jam games i've made in the past and it's like all right you know my pitches didn't go well does this mean it's a bad game does this mean it's a game that's unsellable does this mean right. i have the wrong expectations for this game does this mean what is the correct answer to derive from my experiences of showing people the game at gdc you see what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And oh, it's yeah. like, and those questions are nigh impossible to answer because like, I'm sure you guys have had your doubts about Clash sure. Cup. Well, you've had your doubts and you've had your, you know, yeah. sales figures for, for restarts and yeah. Yeah. Redshift blue shift. And, and I'm sure you have your doubts about your current games. Starting games. Obviously. And it's just like, it's all blind luck. It seems like. Yeah. It's for the most part. I mean, getting like a objective read on anything with games is just like for me so tough. Right. Yeah. Or I had I had some feedback where it's like you should work on the art for Peak. I've been like, well, maybe I want to wait till the game's feature complete and then bring in an artist. It was, and now I'm like, well, maybe I should bring an artist in sooner. Maybe like bring an artist in to work on the art, and then maybe later bring an animator in to work on the animations and very and like kind of stage gate it in such a way so I'm not just burning 
capital on just constantly paying an artist for the entire length of the of the project. Right. right. But it's like, all right, like Peak, maybe Peak's art can improve and could be more stylized and stuff. But then you look at games that are like either wildly successful or moderately successful, and it's like, but my art's better than that. <laughs> yeah. So what's the correct answer here? I mean, there isn't a correct answer. No. That's right. like the terrible part. Yeah. But what like I think is really important about like even like very unsuccessful pitches is it kind of it doesn't really tell you like this is the objective truth, but it like narrows things down a bit. You know yeah. what I mean? And and and, and yeah. I kind of felt and that you kinda have to take that enough times to get that view. Right. Narrowed. So my second like, pitch, which wasn't really a pitch, it was just more of a conversation. I was like, Hey, I just want feedback. Right. And then that's when I was like, all right, you should work on the art. I was like, cool. Because when people play it, they really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but then, but they'll still be like, I pass. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good, like asking the questions doesn't always derive you the answer, but at least narrows your focus a bit. Yeah. Um, you said something else that I wanted to comment on. What did you just say? Uh, Go back. Uh, Rewind. I don't remember. Okay. Well, it's not there. It's not on the tape. But yeah, so I was pretty down the dumps um, at the beginning of the week after that. Oh, oh, it was Mike Bithell. I was talking to Mike Bithell, and he was just like, I was like, yeah, my pitch didn't go well. And he's like, that's fine. That's not a judgment on your game. That's just how that publisher or developer, or that's how they feel. Well, yeah, about you can't it. get in their heads either. That's the thing. Right. That's another part of the equation. Yeah. Like whatever you tell, whatever they tell you is relative to what they're thinking and what they're looking for yeah too yeah so and i've and i've said, said that multiple times on this podcast about like each each indie publisher has like a house brand right yeah yeah like devolver has a brand um i just did an interview with alex barry who's the artist or the the animator on uh the swords of ditto mm. yesterday that podcast will come out later um but he was talking about that how like you know swords of ditto have you guys seen the artwork for this it's no. very Saturday morning cartoon yeah. vector art, like think Adventure Time or or Steven Universe kind of style, okay, cool. right? Yeah, um, a, l- a little bit more different, like more more fantasy, so maybe more Adventure Time, but less like weird, <laughs> less weird than Advent- Adventure Time. Sorry, Pendleton, um, but see, <laughs> he's uh, out there shouting at us right now. The he's like, oh, Wordcast. This must be all about my work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the um, and and he was like, yeah, this isn't really a Devolver game, like when you traditionally think of Devolver, when you think of Devolver, right. you think genital jousting or you think, uh, uh, enter Gibbs. the dungeon or you think, you think Gibbs, or you think, um, hotline Miami. Right. Yeah. Uh, but them publishing swords of ditto is like their acknowledgement. It's like, we want to start branching out. We want, we want the, the, the Devolver brand to be more than just like this very thin slice of, of, game styles or game genres mm-hmm. um violent throwbacks right which also raw fury is kind of that way right. right so i was at the raw fury loft and they they're publishing tormentor x punisher right and they're punishing and they're, they're punishing they're publishing like some other games they're publishing oscars game bad north so oscar is the guy that made brick block that little like oh right uh you can design your own it's like a was it like a three by three grid where you design your own apartment and it automatically re textures the thing as you click around so he's using that tech in his in bad north which is like a isometric um turn-based game hmm. or it's like a turn-based real-time hybrid thing uh it's really cool looking but yeah so it was, it was just weird kind of like navigating that space for myself and then like someone asked me was like does this game even need a publisher and i'm like well probably may- maybe not probably not it seems small enough in scope that it doesn't need a publisher mm-hmm. uh, but then their example was like look at kingdom that Raw Fury is publishing. And I was like, but Kingdom's also just one dude. Right. So what, 
I don't understand. <laughs> like again, like there 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 are there are state there there's parts of it that are that are contradictory. There are parts of it that are it's just insurmountable. It's it's unknowable how your game is going to do for for a lot of it unless yeah. you have the backing of a publisher or a platform then it makes it a little more secure mm-hmm. but that un that unknowableness but even that's not guaranteed but yeah. right but like that unknowableness is both like super terrifying but also super relieving in a way yeah because it's like we're all kind of fucked <laughs> <laughs> so like one of my favorite things that happened recently was i can't remember who was it on twitter that was just like uh game devs like what if your game only sells 5,000 copies? Oh, and people were like, that sounds yeah, great. That sounds awesome. So many people yeah. were just like, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. And he was like, wait, wait, no, no. <laughs> Wrong No, That's a bad thing. Let's pretend this is bad. Yeah. The uh, Adam just put out a uh, an article or a write-up he did about like some of his post-GDC takeaways. And one was a slide. And there's like different tiers of like mm-hmm. how your game sells. And it's like the 500 unit tier, like 5,000 unit tier. And then there's like a couple more above that. And then there's like this giant tier. I think it was like 300,000 units, which was like, all right, this is where Finji wants to be. We're like right outside maybe the 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 orbit of this sphere. Yeah. But it, it was really interesting thing. People should check that out. But yeah, I don't know. Um, I was really down the dumps in that because I was just kind of like, it was like, am I making the right game? Is this is this what I should be working on? Should I start? Should I try working on something else? Um, and I just got like really like fatalistic with it because it's like, all right, in in eighty years I'm just gonna be dead. I'm gonna be fucking in the ground. I'm gonna be dead. <laughs> it's like, and if I haven't made anything, yeah, to like to fuck that lives on or has any sort of legacy or anything that at the very least I'm proud of, then it's just me fucking in the ground, dead. Yep. It just yeah. it, w- it went real dark, real fast, <laughs> and it was just a bad pitch. It wasn't even like, oh, my game didn't sell, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, so I guess in the past couple years, I guess after the non-success of Redshift Blue Shift, I was like, okay, well, my next game definitely has to be the perfect game. Then it has to be my magnum opus, right? And like, that was definitely, like, and I think like uh, David Byers was kind of like in the same boat, where it's just like. Yeah, I really like we both have like all these little passion projects that we want to make. And then we're like, but is this the the game? And then after like a year of like not really making any output, I was just like, I just need to fucking do. Yeah, just make something. something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it should start out as something for you. You know, that's what I tell everybody. Like, you know, it should start out as something you want to do and something you're passionate about. And like, you know it can naturally arrive at a commercial success, but like if it's not, if it's, if you come out of the gate and you're just saying like, I'm looking for commercial success. Yeah. You're going to be disappointed every single time. And like for me, like I like peak, right? Like I think like, Oh, it's cool. It's charming. It's got a unique gameplay hook. Um, would it be like the perfect game that I want to work on? No, probably not. Um, and you know, and I kept working on it because it, it got into MAGFest and I was like, oh, maybe there's some legs. And so I demoed it around and people people seemed really warm on it. Sure. Um and then you're you just start down yourself. I was like, but is that the right way to start making a game? Or also like when GDC right. ended, I was like, oh yeah, making game is feeling good. All right, I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna tool around and work on something else. Like not peak right now, I'll work on something else. And then I got like five minutes into Pico eight. And it might have been because it was Pico eight and I'm not all that well learned up on it. Uh-huh. But I was just kinda like Oh, uh, but then I got to do all this programming. <laughs> Why can't I just like 
think the idea and just make it go. And it just, it just is there. Yeah. It's like, you know, programming can get so... I'm not the kind of guy that, that can just, like, pick up just open a text file and just go with code. I'm very much like, I have to gear myself up for that kind of stuff. Like yeah. game jams are good for that. Cause I'm like, all right, I'm here. I have a purpose. You there's know, they're, a, you're there to crank it out. There's like, a, there's an end point, yeah. but it's like, if I just want to tool around in something, I get like, you know, half an hour into it. And it's like, all right, well, how do I look up documentary? It's like, all right, how do I make this move? All right, how do I do this? All right. <sighs> this isn't, it's not like sketching. It's not like picking right. up no. a no. drawing pad and just be like, do, 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 do. Okay. Got, got some creative energy out. Yeah. Um, there's so much more that can prevent you from like just getting getting something on the on the quote unquote page yeah. with with games. That's is, it's kind of frustrating. Did you do like a tutorial for Pico Eight? I've been looking around at stuff. I don't do well at tutorials in general. I'm very much more the kind of guy that's like, I want the thing to do this. How do I make it do this? Yeah. Um, and that's how I was with Unity. And then I just slowly kind of accumulated Unity knowledge. Um, so that's why I messaged you. I was like, How do I make it move? In Pico Eight, he's like, "Oh, you use button." I was like, "No, like move, like like burp, 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 like 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 discreetly, not like as continuous." And you're like, "Oh, it's button P." I was like, "Awesome." That would probably take me like 45 minutes to like yeah, find to the discover in a right. tutorial, find the goddamn answer for that. Um, so yeah, I don't know, I don't know. I still, I love, I love being in this space, and I love. I talked to so many awesome people. Over the course of GDC, you know, I talked to I talked to Mike Bithel. Uh, I spoke to Daniel Dwyer very very briefly. Uh, hung out with Dicey and Kate Gray, and they're awesome people. Hung out with uh, um, Leaf uh, and and Spencer from Itch. Like just a bunch of amazing people, and I just felt so excited and happy to be there. Hung out with Callum. Finally met Callum in person at the at the Raw Fury Loft, and. Also, just kind of had this doubt. It was like, wh- like, where's, you know, between the games and the podcasts, like, where's, where's my big break, right? Like, being very mm-hmm. selfish now. Like, where's mm-hmm. my big break? Mm-hmm. Where's, where's the opportunity for me? Because I know all these awesome people, and I like look up to them, but I'm also just a little bit of, a little envious of their success, right? Sure. Like, I just, I, I want, I, I, you know, I work a regular nine to five and I come home and I get to work on my game stuff. But it's like, I don't want to leave the game stuff. I always want to be in that space. Like I always, yeah. I, I want to be there in whatever facet I can be. Like, so maybe, you know, ultimately my, my, my path doesn't lie in being an indie dev. Maybe I'm, I'm a producer somewhere. Or maybe, maybe I'm helping out with something. Um, because being there at GDC, I, uh, it, it was very un- uplifting. Like I was very down the dumps. And I was talking to Sam in the park, and then Izzy, uh, which is one of Adriel's friends. I forget what Izzy does, but uh, she was on Train Jam and stuff. I think I can't remember. She's blue hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she walked by, but she looked very concerned, and I didn't know who she was. And Sam was like, "Are you okay?" And she's like, "Yeah, I'm just looking for someone." And I like, looked at her name tag and said, "Izzy." I'm like, "Oh, you're Izzy." Adriel was talking about you, <laughs> <laughs> um, and she was like, "Excuse me." I was like, "Yeah." She was saying it was like you lose your camera lenses all the time or something. And she's like, "Oh," and then I immediately felt better. Like yeah. it immediately felt better because I could talk to someone like on the level and I got to, I got to know that person. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, I talked to Becca about like aspirational fandom at PAX South because I want to meet the people in this industry, not because I'm a fanboy, but because I want to talk to them on the level. Yeah. Like, I want, want to talk them. shop. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk yeah. shop. And in GDC is just a, such an amazing, uplifting, awesome place for just talking shop. Just being like, I'm a developer. 
your developer, your yeah. publisher, your press. It was like, let's just talk. That's what I enjoyed more than anything. Yeah. I mean, just the conversations you could get into. Like, there's, there's no wall here. There's no like no. presumption of like, I want something from you. And that's how I describe it to everybody. They're like, what's GDC like? I'm like, it's a place that you can really go to just talk shop. Yeah. Like, that's all it's about. And that's what it's for. Talking shop. And I, and I love it. Love it. But I think there is a certain point where you get overloaded with shop talk. Like, because it's like, you can talk bit. about it all day, but like at the end of the day, you still have to do the work. That's why to it's make like the game, right. week long. Right? You know? Yeah. That's why I came back and I'm like, all right, let's, let's work on something. And there's yeah. me like, oh. But you, you lose so much momentum in a way because, you know, I can always remember coming back from these things and even like just conventions like MAGFest and stuff and being set up all weekend. Like seeing people play your game like jazzes you up and yeah. keeps you going, makes you want to work on it. And you're like, yes. And then you get home and it's just like nosedive because you're just like, oh my gosh. And my brain is just about to pop <laughs> yeah, out of my yeah, head. I'm just, I'm just fried. Yeah, and like, you want to work on it, but the last thing you want to do is work on yeah. it. So, now, let me tell you about jet lag from the perspective yeah. of someone that has never experienced jet lag <laughs> in their life before because they've never jumped three time zones, four time zones as, at once. And so, so I took a red eye. I don't know why I fucking did this. I know why I, why I did this because I wanted to be in San Francisco as long as possible. I took a red eye Sunday night. So my plane left at like 10.30 flew into philadelphia at like 6 30 in the morning which was three in the morning yeah on pacific time but we lost three hours so it's actually only a five hour flight but we tacked on another three because of the time difference so we land i get i get out of the plane i slept on the plane so we get up get off the plane um go to my next gate in the philadelphia airport i have like a four hour layover my next plane takes off at like 10 30 11 whoa yeah so I'm just like, all right, I'm just gonna watch some watch some Amazon Prime video, blah blah blah, just hang out. I pass out at the gate, <laughs> maybe like 40 minutes before my flight. I wake up, they're calling group five for my flight. I'm group seven. And I'm just like, what huh? <laughs> just shamble over to the gate entrance, right. get on the flight deck, and just like plop back into the the plane. And then that flight's like an hour long fly home so this is like midday monday now uh go to bed at like 8 eight thirty. woke up at quarter after nine the next day so over 12 hours of sleep and i was late for work <laughs> wow uh so then i i'm like all right what the fuck ever like this this is some crazy ass shit so i go to work um come back next night go to bed at nine Wake up at midnight, can't get back to sleep. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Jet lag sucks. It does. I kinda like jet lag. What? So you need like an extra like three <laughs> like day it. buffer. It's just like you're kinda like floating. Yeah. Well, it's like I never felt like groggy during the day. Like yeah. I felt fine, but like my sleep schedule was just completely fucked. For me, jet lag always fucks up like how hungry I am. I can never tell. Like, am I hungry? Have I eaten? Yeah, Alex true. was telling me to eat in the time zone you're going into. Don't eat in the time zone you're coming from, and that mm -hmm. helps you like reacclimate yourself. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, no GDC. GDC was good. Big big fan. Um, some cool, some interesting stuff. The main talking points at GDC: uh, uh, organized labor. Organized labor it was a yeah. big, big talking point. I got talked to Scott Benson, who was one of the uh, uh, guys that organized the uh, 
um, labor creates games kind of pins and uh, uh-huh. and other other sort of swag that they laid around. It was literally like a scavenger hunt, right? So I really wanted one of these pins, and so I could you know represent and show my support for unionization in the games industry. And they didn't have like an official place, like all right, come to our booth or come to this location at this time to like get a sticker, or get a pin. They were just sprinkled around the expo floor or sprinkled at parties so i went to the other party on tuesday night and i was playing um this guy jay and his game the adventure pals and in front of the tv that their game was playing on there was like a bunch of pamphlets for labor creates games i'm like where the fuck did you get those where are the goddamn pins and jay's (laughs) like i don't know what you're talking about these were just here i I had nothing to do with this i was like god (laughs) damn it and then i was just talking to someone at the train jam booth um because i was like helping helping run it for a little bit and i was standing there and i was talking to matt and i was just looking at the table i talked to matt and i look back and there's just a bunch of pamphlets for labor creates games and some buttons i'm like <gasps> and i like grabbed a button i'm like where did this come from there's like a there's like a union fairy it's like yeah. fluttering around the expo floor. Around sprinkling yeah. yeah and then i talked to scott benson who uh animator on night in the woods at the at their booth uh day after ig oh, yeah he's cool yeah he is cool and i was like you know congrats uh got one of the pins he's like yeah i got a bunch more if you want some and he gave me nice. another one gave me some stickers i was like cool awesome yeah he's a cool dude but yeah apparently that round table uh with the executive director of the igda was pretty pretty yeah pretty yeah. spirited that article made it sound like it did not go well as a conversation i don't think it really did because so i i don't know the specifics but i know this woman had like has like a history of being kind of anti-union yeah anti-organized uh-huh. labor um so i think everyone kind of had the fangs out well, no, ready to the, jump on her. The way the article was even written, it just sounded like there was a certain kind of person there, and they were there for the fight. Like, oh, you know, like I don't think it was. I don't know if anybody was trying to. I don't know if it was trying to be a productive discussion. And right. I wish I were there because I was. I was really like looking at the article. And I was like, I hope there's something in here about somebody talking about wages and time, and you know, because but. No, right. it was just it's just about the fight. Yeah, it's just about the fight, and it was just like this, like big, you know, I guess it was just a big political platform for a lot of people, and they just wanted that. Yeah, like, I mean, I don't know who else was in the roundtable either, uh, who was speaking like on the pro union side, and it's it's a weird thing. Like, I I was talking to Alex about this yesterday, um, and about how so I have a colleague that wanted to meet up with me. Um, not gonna say their name or say where they work for because I don't want to blow up their spot. Um, but they were they're like, hey, let's meet up during GDC. You know, uh, would love to love to hang out with you, get dinner or something one night. I was like, cool. It's like let's do that. And then by the end of the week, he's like, hey, sorry, I couldn't you know meet up with you or anything. He's just been super w- busy at work. I've been working from six a.m. to nine p.m. every day this week. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, d- dude. Yeah. No. Like, all right. Like, I get it. Like, advertising, advertising industry, games industry, Hollywood, like, tech. They all have com- some shitty hours sometimes, right? Yeah, right. Like, I get oh, it. Yeah. Like, you need to crunch every once in a while. I get it. Shouldn't happen for the most part, but I get it. But just, like, it's spring. And it's, like, <laughs> I mean, I guess, like, with Q2 or I guess maybe fiscal years are, are finishing up soon. And people just need to, to get their projects out and whatever. But still, like... Yeah, that shouldn't well, be happening. Well, so a real question, like, okay, so how do you how do you guys see a union fitting into the game industry, given that it's such it's so heavily driven by, I guess, like vision and 
basically mm-hmm. overworking. I like, think I think the biggest problem would be, I mean, like games is such like a dream industry for so many people, right? Yeah, that like like churn through people. A yeah. lot of like unionized efforts would probably result in a lot of like scab work. Where just you know, True. You, you say like we're not gonna work with these shitty wages, these shitty hours. We're gonna go on strike immediately. There's an, an another five million people that are happy to work on it. Right. right. Yeah. And that's um, and that's what employers basically threaten every once in a while. Where it's like, right. hey, I'm not being paid enough. It's like, but you get to work in video games. Yeah. That's yeah. why a developer salary in games is so much lower than that in the rest of Silicon Valley. So if you work at Apple, if you have the same skill set and you work for Apple, you'll be making like way more than you're working if you work for like EA or Ubisoft or 2K or any right. of those right. uh, studios. And it's just it's it's that's a shitty justification. I honestly think if 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 organized labor were to occur, it would come from the Hollywood side of games. So mm-hmm. you see SAG-AFTRA. So there's a SAG-AFTRA strike. So the voice actors got to go on strike and they got to go. The opportunity to go on strike. <laughs> the opportunity, they, they, yeah. They went on strike and they were able to argue for better conditions for like, you know, their, their working conditions and better rates and everything like that. Higher wages and all that. Um, I feel like that end would push would be better at pushing the the union stuff because it's not going to come from the tech side of things because there's no organized labor in tech at all like elon musk is over here like actively trying to to squash like attempts at organizing like parts of of the tesla workforce yeah um so i honestly think like anything from the more entertainment sides of games so maybe like your your writers, your narrative designers, your copywriters, like that kind of stuff, it has more of an opportunity to get a foot in the door with organized labor than your gameplay programmers, your network programmers, any sort of any sort of software engineering position, um, I think would be more. I was also talking to Scott Bithell about this, um, because he was telling me that in the UK, you know, uh um unions are kind of assumed right they're kind of taken for granted it's kind of assumed they, they play a bigger role in the economy than they do in the u.s like in the u.s like over the sure. decades we've been uh kind of reducing and reducing the the viability and the role of unions and he was saying i am i am pro-union obviously like i see the benefits it has in the uk i can't i can't plant my flag here like i can't do anything on on unions behalf in the games industry because i'm an employer i am not an employee right and as an employer any sort of employer-led like labor organization attempt is is going to fail Mm -hmm. because you're going to have these executives and and managers being like yes we we are pro-union let us make the union for you (laughs) uh game developers and also it's going to have these restrictions on it um it has to be very much like a grassroots or from the from the, you know, factory floor kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. The the thing that I can't piece together with that, and that you know, I feel like that's all true, is just that like so much of game development, especially like on the art side of things, and so art you can see it, right? There's some people that draw better than other people, mm-hmm. you know, and there's people that are better better at 3D modeling than other people. There's developers that are faster. There's developers that are slower. There's developers that are diverse in all these languages, and some that aren't. So how do you apply something that is, you know, was largely created for uh, labor standards to something that is so skill driven? Like, because in our industry, it's really like there's bars. Like you still need, when you're on a project, you still need somebody who has the talent to fulfill that role. And 
this conversation and the way the article kind of made it sound, it's like they just want a way to like shoehorn people in that just want to get in. And like, I'm not sure that it works. And alternatively, I was thinking like, would this be more in the game industry an opportunity for like guilds? Uh, may I mean I don't really know the difference between a guild and uh and uh and the union. I mean I understand what a union is, but I don't know what the contemporary version of a guild is like. I mean I know it's a collection of like uh, trades. Yeah, trades common people. trade like. But like what Will brought up earlier is like about scab work. Like if if a union were to occur in the games industry, all of the you know full time developers and everything might just all turn to contractors, which is basically how Hollywood works. Like you just contract out for all of these projects and they all come together temporarily. And then once the project's over, it disperse. And that's what happens in, in indie studios, right? Mm-hmm. So like Finji or Vlambeer or any of those size studios are like, all right, here's our new project. Uh, we need an artist. We need animators. We need blah, 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 blah. We'll contract you rev share or flat rate right, or whatever. Right. Um, and you'll work on the game until it's released. And then everyone can go their separate ways and work on whatever they want to do next, which is a lot like how Hollywood works. Mm-hmm. Um, Guilds might be a good alternative. I, again, I'm not. I don't know the specifics very much about how how guilds. Well, basically, work. it just because again, it's so skill. It's so skill driven. Like, but the, like Hollywood like, is skill driven too. It is, but yeah, like who's a good actor? Who's a bad actor? Who who's A list? Who's B list? Blah blah blah. But they're but they're all. But they still have a union for that. Yeah. So, well, they have the Actors Guild. But it's technically a union. Like well, SAG AFRA is a, technically a union. Well, basically. The way I'm understanding this, and like this is after a fresh read, because I had this like very same question. I was like, okay, so what's the difference? Like, but it's, you know, it's more of a curation of the craft when mm-hmm. you're talking about a guild. Okay. So like it would be like so like so the developers guild, it would be artists it so, would be and they would okay so the guild is vouching for the the quality of the yes of the right employee so they're vouching for the quality of the employee and they're also um curating the quality as well so it's like the guild is an opportunity to sit in a room also and be like hey so what's going on in your your side of the business it, well we're using this new language we're, we started building this thing in pico 8 sweet what is pico 8 you know and it's more of an active well, well let me well, tell let me tell you about that <laughs> but it's more of a it's more of a it breaks up those little pieces and allows you to like have more dialogue and also make i think it would be a better way to create more value and in our roles and also like make businesses have to take them more seriously. But I don't know. I worry with it all that it's just like, it's still overlooking the fact that like so much of game development requires like talent. Yeah. You know? And I don't know where that fits into this discussion because even in that article, like I couldn't, I mean, did that even come up? Was that like, again, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't read a lot on it, but from what I understand, like, you know, if, if a union were to occur, let's like, like let's say there's a, a game developer union, um, uh, sides. So, so about the quality question, like the union, from what I understand, you don't, you don't join the union first and then look for employer second. Usually it's like, so you have union shops, right? Yeah. So there are shops where shops where unions are already there where it's a requirement like if you're going to be employed here you have to work you have for to the join. union and you have to pay your union dues and get a union card and stuff and then there's like kind of like hybrid ones where it's like you can join the union or you, or you can't but if you don't join the union then the union can't speak on your behalf in terms of like uh negotiating for higher wages or arbitrating certain things like that um 
So in that way, the union is not responsible for curating the quality of the employees because the employer would then be taking care of that. So it's like you've been they hired. They already let them in right. and then they join the like union. We have, we have like the employer right. has verified that we want this person. Right. And then they pay to join the union. Um, I don't know how that would work different from a guild. From what I understand, the Screen Actors Guild is technically a union, even though it has a guild name. What frightens me from that point, like when you said, like, let's curate stuff. I'm just like, oh, God. It's like, all right, I have to apply to get in, and then I have to talk about, like, okay, I've won these awards, and then it's just yeah. it's Indie Mega Booth all over again. It's just well, I don't know if Indie it would, Mega Guild. <laughs> I don't know if it would be, and this is all just based on a basic understanding, so, you know, maybe somebody's going to listen to this and shout about me later but um business lawyer being like well that's not how it works and maybe it's not but i guess it's just how i don't know i guess i'm still back to like the whole like so what is the way in a factory setting how well a union works you know it's like look we work 40 hours a week and that's what we do we work 40 hours a week and we get 40 dollars an hour or whatever and so Damn. there's like really hard lines, right? Like this is yeah. what they are. But like game development as an industry, like what you know what goes into making a game. Like we've all made them. Like there's no you can't like say like okay, here's how many hours it takes to make a game. Right. And here's you can if you're an artist, you can just come into this game and start arting. Or if you're a developer, you can just come into this game and start developing. Like that doesn't right. it doesn't apply. Like, it's not like masonry where I mean, like, there's definitely skill involved, and right. there's definitely different layers of skill. But in general, if you hire a mason, they do one thing. Right. I think so. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like the IGDA was pretty anti-union. Yeah. Which is kind of a shame because and the I IGDA are really the people that have the best means to step up and say, like, like already, they're kind of in a weird spot where, like. You join the IGDA and you get some benefits that are like typically considered, like you know what the kind of things that a union would fight for, right? Um, but at the same time, you're also like they also take some of the pressure off of like employees to provide that stuff. So I don't know. It's kind of uh, well, you have like three big organizations there, right? You have IGDA, you have UBM, which is the umbrella for IGDA, correct? Mm-hmm. Right, which also runs GDC. Um, and then you have the ES- ESA. And n- none of those organizations are interested in the union going forward because it's going to basically threaten their bottom lines because ESA is just like EA, Activision, Microsoft, like a bunch of bunch of larger, larger publishers. Right. And then UBM runs GDC, which there's all, already huge conversations about GDC needs to change the way it charges for things. GDC needs to pay its speakers. GDC needs to get out of San Francisco because it's way too fucking expensive. Right. Um, which is tried before. And Becca actually had a really good statement about all that because she's on like the committee or the board that like the like the post GDC like postmortem board or whatever it is um it's like her and Chris Charlie and a bunch of other people but she's like the reason it's in Moscone and the reason it's in San Francisco is not because of square footage not because of how big the the show floor is because it's not that big especially cuz half of the fucking thing was under construction i was just staring at iron girders half the time walking around that spot yeah right it's because not many convention centers in the states or maybe in the world if you 
expanded your view, uh, have enough speaker rooms because GDC is all about the talks, or it's like right. that's that's what they sell on, right? Is all the talks, yeah, and they have like dozens of talks happening concurrently. So you need dozens of ballrooms for people to do all these talks, right? And just not a lot of convention centers in the states are built like that. And yeah. so people are like, oh, like you move it to you know maybe move it to the Gaylord or move it to the Orlando Convention Center or X Y Z. It's like they might be big enough, which actually I don't think the Gaylord is big enough, and I don't think the no. the DC one is big enough. Um, but she's like, Orlando might work. The problem is everyone's gonna have to fucking drive. Because the Orlando Convention Center isn't near anything walkable. Right. Um, and could you imagine, like, it's already hard enough to imagine all these fucking game developers swarming San Francisco. Imagine them swarming right. Orlando. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so like these organizations, like, you know, in all honesty, they're they're just interested in their bottom line and they're interested in, in making money. Did you read this portion of the article? I, I was just referencing the one that you dropped into the show notes. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was just going to ask Will. But, um, what does it say? Can you read it? What's it? Yeah. Uh, unions can help protect the most marginalized game developers, said artist Dietrich Squinky Squinkafier, Squinkafer, who <laughs> <laughs> cited experience with their graduate student union as a big influence on their support for the Game Workers Unite campaign. Women, people of color, trans people, queer people, disabled people, non binary people. Unions can help fight for equal pay regardless of your ability to participate in the process. And that's an important point. Like, representing, like, you know, disenfranchised people or, like, people in, on different parts of the gender spectrum or, like you said, developers of color. Right. A bunch of, a bunch of different minority groups that still, like, either face harassment or just face disenfranchisement in games. Um, I think that's important. I think a union would be very, very important for something like that. Well, and it's also like, I mean, so you can read that a few different ways, but like one of the ways like they could help is like, uh, you know, just from like a very basic standpoint, like some people are just excluded from working at certain places because they're in a wheelchair and that place right. like might have ADA compliance stuff, but they don't, you know, the desk. Well, we all use standing desks here. So you're right. So like. I mean, like, there's there's some... So, like, you could read that as, like, it, it's getting people that aren't qualified into the business, but you could also read it as it's getting people that are qualified and don't have a means to participate into participating. Well, yeah, the only question I have with that, and this that's why I, I wanted you to read it, I guess, but um, it's just... Is that, like, the main sticking point, you think? Representation like, for Like, is that the main motivation groups? for this? No, I think... I, well, it's probably that, plus... And this article in particular on Polygon is like all about that. Oh, okay. And so, well, I mean, that that's a facet of it, but I think the other facets are like crunch, the issues with crunch, sure. and the issues with being underpaid. Yeah. Or, but or why wasn't there anything written about that part? Is what I want to know. Like nobody, nothing in that article even talks well, about like that the guild would attack like, crunch and you know, like um, pretty. Uh, it's like traditionally under pretty crazy NDA shit where I mean like oh, salaries and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Or or like it's kind of assumed like like unions for the most part are there to battle for pay. But like in you know contemporary society they also need to fight for the representation of the LGBTQ community, developers of color and I think and generally other people. What 
worries me about a game developers union is a lot of unions have a lot of backing of the workers in the first place. Uh, and like part of the onus on like saying like we need to stand up for certain things lies in the workers and traditionally game developers are just like, no, I'll crunch. I'll crunch the fuck out of it. I'll be laid off immediately. I'll go find another job. Which I think is, again, like a Silicon Valley mentality. Right. Like, I think, honestly, like, it's going to come from the Hollywood side where it's like, they have SAG-AFTRA, they have all these other things, you know, any sort of, any sort of narrative designer that has come from journalism. Right. Where, like, you know, you have the Vox Union now, right, for Vox Media, or you, um, which is, like, part of, I think, LA, the LA Times or the LA Chronicles, like, greater union umbrella right so they know how that stuff works and they know how about fighting for their their wages and and having representation at the table um yeah no programmer understands that shit and it doesn't help that we are very poor at kind of educating about that because like up until i don't know end of high school i was like oh union that's a bad word right because because you know the public public education kind of does take that tact they say trusts are bad you know, you have Teddy Roosevelt trust busting, but in the same time they say like unions are bad because mm. of all this stuff. I mean, it's 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 really kind of like a rewriting history kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's because they don't really either. I because I wasn't paying attention, which could totally be <laughs> the reason why, <laughs> or because they are purposely like leaving things out about that. Because in 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 Silicon Valley, we 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 value the 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 independent thinker and the wonder kid and and all this other stuff. Like mm-hmm. people want to like Elon Musk. Like Elon Musk does cool things, but people don't want to admit how he's like trying to fuck over factory workers that are making the Tesla cars and stuff right. like that. Um, and it's a hard thing to, to to rectify with people. It's like, hey, this person might be my hero, but they might also do shitty things. What do I do there? Yeah, I think it's it's a it's a very complicated thing. I think that people like need to really stand up for themselves better. Uh and I th- I think that's a very tough thing for a lot of marginalized people or like people that are just new to the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think this this needs to be a grassroots movement from high up. <laughs> like <laughs> I think like the, the 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 people that are the superstars in different studios, right? Like they need to show a lot of leadership in saying like, "Look, these people don't need to be working these hours." Like, which, which is like um, was kind of touched on. I don't know if either of you guys read that uh, Verge write up about Telltale about like their working conditions that no. they've been in the past. They they had like kind of pretty gross working conditions that kind of were driven from like the want to be successful and like because of the success of walking dead, it just kind of drove them down this crazy path and just like burned a bunch of people. But also they had like an account manager or some sort of executive that, that was like very egotistical and very like wanted to take all the fame and all the glory. And in that article, there's a part where when Sean Vanaman and Jake Rockin, I think um, it was a couple of them went up to accept the award for uh, walking dead for the year one. I, I can't remember if it was like a, it was some award, ceremony right and they go up there and they say thank you thank you thank you and then they're trying to like get them off the stage and sean mammon like goes back to the mic he's like we wouldn't be here if not for the team yeah like we're here like great that we're here but like there's a lot of fucking talented people that worked on this game that right. aren't getting the recognition that they deserve and they're also being like and he didn't say this obviously but it's like they're they're also being screwed over by telltale right wow 
Um, so yeah, so like you're right. I think people like Sean Vanneman, but these people like, I think Sean Vanneman like saw the way Telltale was going. He's like, I'm out. Mm-hmm. I'm gone. So, I mean, you need people that A, are well known and want to speak on this matter and B, still work at those places. But the problem is both those things are kind of at odds because of, hey, if I'm a well-known like developer or person in the game sphere and I work for a company and I say, this company should have a union. Yeah. Hey, why don't I have a job anymore? Right. It's because you use the platform that you built at our studio to talk about how the studio should have organized labor. Yeah. And we don't agree with that. Yeah. I mean, the truth is like organizing any union takes a lot of effort and it takes like a lot of like fighting and I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree. Anyways, that was a big thing. Uh, (laughs) at GDC, another big thing was, uh, Rami's panel. The one reason to be where he tries to get a representative from each continent to talk about like what they're doing. There was a woman from Jordan who was really awesome to talk about a bunch of things. There was a guy from Madagascar, uh, this developer from, uh, Colombia who, Thing is like my age and like wildly successful. He has like a studio of ten people or something. Like uh-huh. awesome dude. It's a guy from the Philippines that was also really awesome. But like Rami was talking about like how so he had like his first six representatives for the panel, right? right. Half of them had their visas rejected. Right. He had three replacements for the three that got rejected. Two of them had their visas rejected. He had two more people. One of them had their visas rejected. And it's just like this panel is like even more important now than it was before because of this stuff, because of what happened with the current administration, like trying to, it's so many people are like trying to come here and show their work and also like compete. You know, you have like student competitions where it's like teams of students from the Middle East, like want to come and compete in robotics or electronics or, or, or computer science competitions and they're being rejected. Mm. So that was, that was a big thing. And then obviously like the cost of going to San Francisco was another big topic. Sure. Um, uh, someone, someone suggested yeah, like I said, someone in the Train Jam Discord suggested Washington, D.C., and I was like, I would give anything if GDC were only a two-hour drive. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, as opposed to a cross-continental plane ride. But- well, I mean, part of the thing that hurts, like, and about unionizing as well is, like, this would require an exodus from GDC. Right, which no one wants to do that yeah, because right. GDC is awesome because you get to see all your friends. Yeah. Right. So it's like... It has an established rep, and right. it has an established... It's an established gathering spot. Well, it's even like they don't want GDC to die. They just want GDC to move. Right. Or maybe even just like become less important. But no, but I love GDC because I get to see everyone. You just do GDC East and GDC West. GDC. I I mean, mean, we have East Coast Game Convention, which is like basically the equivalent of that. But I don't see why they don't like, you know, there's such a big movement to make it move. Like, why don't we just make more conferences like well and then that's what people were saying it was like more conferences should take on more of the burden and it shouldn't just be gdc so that's why you have east coast gaming convention or that's why you have like develop or reboot um and a bunch of a bunch of other conferences um but it's like because gdc is so because the world this industry a lot of the stuff is so western centric it's so american centric it's like oh we're doing reboot develop it's in croatia a bunch of American developers should be like, okay, not going to fucking go there. Yeah. Right. I'm not going to drop two grand to fly to Croatia. But then the Croatian <laughs> dev is like, but I just had to spend that to get to fucking San Francisco. Yeah. Well, and that's did- like my income. Right. Well, the Croatian dev didn't have to come though, but 
I mean, he wanted to. Well, but like, <laughs> I mean, but again, that's about the prestige of GDC and because it's an American I, convention yeah. or conference. Well, and, I mean, it is. And that's, I don't know. I think it's just a weird discussion because like, I don't, I mean, it is, it was started here. It lives there. And like, we all know if we want to go to GDC, we got to go to San Francisco. So like either we like start something new or we, or GDC that owns it up and breaks it out into a I mean, East and West Coast or something. I mean, or, they did GDC or, Europe and it didn't GDC do well. GDC Europe. Like, well, why was that? Like, is it because a bunch of Americans didn't go? Is it because the culture of GDC lives in San Francisco? Like, lives yeah. in the tenderloin, lives in the knife, the tenderloin in my side <laughs> at night. Right. And uh, the, yeah. the maps for not uh, encountering human waste. <laughs> Did you get one of those while you were there? No, I didn't. Well, I saw a study. There was like a study. It was like everything north of Market Street where it was just like, you know, here's the concentration of both human fecal matter right. and syringes, used syringes, like in this part. Um, I, I don't know what district that is, but I think it's like around like the financial district or whatever. Yeah, it's it's uh, a really nice place to get cheap hotels. Yeah, <laughs> it's really, really good. The... Uh, so yeah, I was like mentally preparing myself for that because I was just like, no matter what, there's not going to be like the right amount of human poop I'm going to run into, right? I'm either going to <laughs> overestimate or I'm going to underestimate. It's not like, yes, yeah. I properly guessed how much human feces I was going to run into. I actually didn't get that. I didn't run into that much. Um, I did buy some boots before I went out there because Becca was like, <laughs> buy boots because we're going to be in the snow and then also San Francisco. Yeah. And let me tell you, those boots, some real shit kickers. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Funny. <laughs> like you were actually kicking it. Yeah, yeah. You weren't just stepping in it. Yeah, right. <laughs> you were. You were aware of it. You were moving it around. Moving it around. A nice. A nice game I like to play was human or dog. <laughs> uh, human, human. 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 Dog. Dog. Um. Adriel told me a story. I think it was last year. She uh was waiting for like Teddy or someone. She was waiting to meet up with someone and she unknowingly was standing in human poop oh. the entire time she was waiting and there was also a hole in her shoe. Poor <laughs> thing. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. So uh, just, yeah. just you know, keep your eyes peeled. My biggest regret at GDC, I only did GDC run one morning. Yeah, what's up with that? Dude, I was tired, okay? <laughs> I Come wasn't on. even like partying. I don't know like, how anybody does the GDC run. Well, honestly. I mean, if you do it on Monday, it's great because like there's basically, I mean, there's stuff happening in Sunday night, but like I was just like, gonna go to bed, gonna get up early. Sam was there. It's like, let's go yeah, running. Yeah. Sam was like talking to Adam on the run back from the Embarcadero. And <laughs> he was just like, yes, yeah, so I have this, I have these big questions about like how my game's doing or like what, what should I do about, you know, getting a publisher? <laughs> and I'm just like, how are you talking right now? <laughs> I'm sure on Friday there were like two people there. <laughs> uh, There's still a decent amount of people. So so the night, the morning after the IGF, because Night in the Woods won two, uh, they won best narrative game and then the the Seamus McNeely grand prize. Oh man! And so they like the whole team was celebrating. <laughs> and they woke up the next morning, and Becca didn't even show up, and Adam had only slept like two hours, and he was taking the picture of the team at the end of the run, and he's just like, <laughs> we made it! Uh, That's a really great picture. Yeah. Zombie team. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, GDC, it's a good time. We spent a lot of time talking about GDC and the unions thereof. Um, big topic. Big topic. Big topic. Let's quickly talk about games. Will? I haven't played any games. Fuck, I don't believe fuck? you, really? Yeah. Wow. Zero. Oh, you don't believe him? This is him every week. Yeah. Uh-huh. This is him literally every week. But you're working on your game. Yeah. Oddish Adventures. 
is what uh tyler called it 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 takes me like literally like a minute every time to realize that oddish is a pokemon and i'm like (laughs) have you seen a picture of him do you know what oddish looks like yeah okay um and now you know what magmar looks like you mean magmallard 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 is a pretty good alternative name you, you were so close you were like just <laughs> fucking around i was like name this pokemon pissed. will and you're like flame quack i'm like come on we got to take this seriously flame quack and you're like mag mallard and i'm like holy shit <laughs> you're so you don't even know how close you are oh my god yeah but how's oddish how's oddish doing uh it's doing really good i just released version 0.0.3 mm-hmm. which was kind of due in december but it kind of close uh, enough. It, we, we I, I got into some scope creep, some scope creep. Yeah, into it. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. For the best, I think I'm pretty happy with it. What's the status of your your scan lines? Scan lines, uh, not that great. No. Well, I mean, like 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 before, they look really good at one by one resolution. Uh, I think it's like two fifty six by two twenty four. Mm-hmm. But it's really five twelve by four forty eight because it's two times resolution. That looks really good, but in uh, full screen, it still looks okay, but it's just, I think um, I'm going to have to rethink the scan lines. You are like being very, very particular about your scan lines, yeah, which I was, can appreciate. That was like in January. Yeah, it was during and global. I was just like, so, so the issue was at, at full screen, uh, the shader uh, still is going, okay, we've got one line of pixels and then the next line's a darker one the next line's a lighter one and the next line's a darker one so at two times resolution it looks really nice because every line of pixels gets a dark and a light shader thing going on at full screen it still looks okay it just looks like your computer has scan lines Mm -hmm. but it's not doing that like per pixel scan line which is what you want yeah, and I I kind of got it there, but it just didn't look good. And so maybe the reality of it is just like the scan lines don't look good. Scan lines don't look good. <laughs> well, so what was the thinking behind the scan lines? Um, uh, you just scan wanted lines to give it dope. I mean, um, trying yeah. to make it so like the thing is like so with pixel art in general, you know, like a lot of pixel art ships nowadays with like just like this is pixel art. Yeah, look at it. There it is. Here yeah. you, you can see the blocks, and like that's fine. I'm cool with that. I'm totally down with that. Yeah, but. At the same time, you have like retro games played on CRT monitors. Like you couldn't really see these like crisp pixel lines. They kind of blurred into each other. You had some scan lines going on. Um, And so at the moment, you know, this may change at any point in development. Uh, I want this game to evoke feelings of great nostalgia nice beyond just being like oh it's a pixel art game yeah, it's low yeah. res like it's the same resolution as uh nintendo or super nintendo i'm using like a limited color palette i've cool. got some scan lines going on uh the- are you gonna have that super mario brothers 3 side flicker where all the sprites are freaking out <laughs> i don't know that would be a pretty funny it would probably be pretty easy to do that but f- drives me insane yeah put glitches yeah. in That'd be neat do that fez shit <laughs> <laughs> someone was i don't know who was doing it oh i think it was sam sam was like downloading a bunch of games onto his macbook for the bus ride back to la after gdc uh-huh. he's like i'm gonna download fez i'm gonna kick it up to 4k see what it looks like <laughs> and it was just like Broom. just this is like cr- everything was super crisp on the screen whoa it was nuts 
So yeah, uh, it's doing pretty good. I feel like it's really starting to feel like a game instead of just kind of like a, this is a mechanic. Awesome. Um, I've got NPCs, mini maps. What? Uh, I got all kinds of stuff in the new version. What was the name of the map or the name of the location? What'd you call it in the demo? Uh, I don't know, like Alpha Land. The, the, the layer of reality it's in is called Alpha Land. And I think it's just called Debug Castle. Or Debug something. Castle. Debug Castle. That's what I was thinking of. That's cool. So you said you released. Are you? I I haven't. So yeah. So it's available now. Uh, it's done. Uh, itch IO Refinery. I'm actually. I think the next version or the version after that, which should definitely have a name by then. Honestly, uh, I'm gonna have like an itch page for it. We didn't really decide oh, cool. on a name right on. last episode, which I felt bad about. I was like, oh, we made this big, this big humdrum. Building it up, and it was like, yeah, here's a bunch of bullshit. It's tough then, to name a game. It really is. Well, I meant like, like a, uh, a you know a working title. Yeah. So, uh, basically, like the one of the purposes of this game is for me to get better at shit I'm bad at, and so I'm doing Making stuff games, like <laughs> playing games. I'm doing stuff like I mean, first of all, it's a big game. Uh, big big game. Second of all, I'm doing like localization, so I'm working better cool. with like data as opposed to just like hard coding text in there. Yeah. Um, I'm doing like I have it on GitHub. I don't really mess around too much with Git aside from just using it as like Dropbox. So with this, I'm using like the issue tracker, the project management stuff. And then accidentally losing six months of, of work <laughs> uh, on yeah. a project. Uh uh I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> That's I hope you definitely never down do. the road. <laughs> but like I have milestones and the milestones are tied to like releases. So right now it's still an alpha, but, um, and it's not really, I'm not like distributing the releases, but I'm keeping track of like this release is supposed to be for this purpose. Mm-hmm. I have all these issues tied to like work that builds towards that purpose. When I have a hundred percent of those done, that release is ready. And so like I just pushed out the third release, which was basically like the purpose of it was to do level to level interaction. So like instead of just taking place in one level or like magically warping you to the next level, it like looks at where you are, where the next room is. And instead of just being like this room links to this room, it goes like for it go, kind of like pops a level up, says like here, the room, here's the room you're in. I have like a map of all the levels in this area. This is the room that you need to be in next. And this is the direction you're heading in towards. So like it does some like cool stuff there. Nice. Um, so like building levels is a lot easier. I don't have to like stitch them all together. Right. Painstakingly. I can kind of like create levels in a void and then stitch them together sensibly. Uh, That's cool. Yeah. I like that. So... This release also has like a lot of um like the the message box was like a big part of this release so that like you can read signs and stuff. Cool. Um so yeah. So is it is it released as in so people could play or is it just the term you're kind of using? So for I, your... I mean I do have like like Kirk and Justin are helping me out. And speaking of which, with each release I do want to add like more people testing it out so I have more eyes mm. on it. So if you guys are interested, mm-hmm. yeah. I'll get you up in that Discord. I love playing games. Yes. 
More, so much, I forget to make my own. <laughs> yeah. So count me in. Excellent. Yeah. So <laughs> just just stripping just away more from peak. In whatever you're working on. So it'll be. It'll, <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll get you some access to it. It's an actual release. It's just nice. Not really publicly. Right. A release in the sense of a, a GitHub release. Right. Yeah. Mark, right. mark this. Give this a version number. Yeah. Sweet. I have a change log for all the different player-facing things. Do you have a wiki? Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff. My wiki is like ridiculous, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I have like tons of pages. I mean, like, it's kind of absurd. Do you basically treat it as like a game design? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I do. Cool. I'm looking forward to Oddish Adventures. Coming to us, one. Coming to us, we're calling it OA. <laughs> the OA. <laughs> OA. I'm looking forward OA. to that. Actually, cool, kind of cool name. That's OA. the best name I've heard so far. Uh, well, you better ask Netflix for it. Yeah. Um, coming to a Switch. When's it coming to Switch? I don't know. Uh, OpenFL 8, which is the uh, graphics layer that it's running on, is um, Switch ready. Nice. Very nice. Uh, People seem very, very hot on GameMaker Studio 2 being uh available for switch now or that you can port the switch right and then i just immediately saw like jeff gershman being like rammy when's the luther house is coming to switch <laughs> i need it i need it i need it that would be like a really good game for switch uh on the go did you see uh moen's post this morning about um the arcade version of punch out oh yeah yeah and you can play so it vertically cool. yep so cool. It's pretty, pretty cool. Get on yeah. that, Sam. Yeah. Get on it, Sam. Make that silent earth. Yeah. It's, yeah. Make that earth silent. <laughs> That's cool. Mike, you want to talk about a single game you've either been working on or played? Yeah. Um, I've been playing a few things, but nothing super exciting. I'm actually going through Call of Duty World War II again oh, really? to try to play it better because I'm, I'm, I'm just apparently that. really bad at it. <laughs> I just bought burnout paradise remastered yesterday oh, just on a whim so good and i'm like why i've been barely playing any why but other than that we got a uh, dragon ball fighter z oh. so playing with the wife it's fun i a believe you mean fighters fighters, fighters. Z. um dragon no, 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 balls no. Fighters. fighters it's fighters. fighters like arc systems came out and it's like it's fucking fighters dragon ball fighters it's fucking dragon balls Fighters. fighters it's fucking jiff all right just yeah. put the the bake the bed but it's fun um i would say the cool. single player experience is pretty uh, tedious um to say the least but it's good and so is watching the show yeah that's as true. much love as i have for yes, the show it is like the show talking about dragon ball or perfect z z, z. but um i watched that kai man Everyone should listen to All Systems Goku. It is like the best podcast right now. <laughs> I love that name. It's so good. All it's, Systems it's a, Goku. It's a giant bomb podcast where Jeff and Dan watch Dragon Ball Z Kai for the first time ever, and neither of them like anime, and they love Dragon Ball Z Kai. <laughs> nice. It's fantastic. Wait, is way Kai different than Super? Uh, so Kai is Dragon Ball Z, but they took a bunch of filler episodes out. Okay. So yeah. basically ep- every episode, that's just them like charging up. It's all it's gone. gone. They it's cut gone. out all the yeah, all the bullshit garbage. It's like 120 episodes or something. Yeah, compared to whatever Dragon Ball Z nice. and its original run was, it's a, a great pot. I I don't think I'm ever gonna watch Dragon Ball Z, but listening to them talk about it is like it's so good. They're <laughs> so, just so excited. Speaking of anime, let's get a no quick weigh in, Mike. Uh, sure. Transformers or Gundam? Don't God damn it! Oh boy, you know the answer. Big question there. You know the right answer. It's Look Gundam. Fuck. Yep. 
Gundam. Mike, I didn't Mike, know which way Mike, you'd go, to Mike. be totally honest. <laughs> I knew that you're into the me. Gundam. Yes. Look at me. Yes. I'm looking. Know, <laughs> know the truth in your heart. Yes. What, what, okay, Universal so, Century, Gundam, duh. Stop they're, saying that like that bo- means something. They're both well, it's, great. It's, it's a qualifier because there's a lot of trash Gundam. Yes, there is a lot of trash Gundam. And Universal Century is like, it's got some wonky episodes early yes. on. But like... As, Super like currently right now, I don't watch any Gundam if it's not UC because I know right. that like I'm not going to be into it. Yeah, got to get them Zaku's. Yeah, for real. Yeah, what the fuck? But I love Transformers too, and I'm not gonna you know, I would never disparage Transformer love. I would Transformers so. I mean, I don't watch the show. I think I enjoy the toys more than anything. But yeah, there's a Autobot named Multiplex that is a city. Yes. I have two versions of he him. He turns into a robot man, Will. He's a whole city. Unicron. What happens to He's the people inside of him? They die. Well, they're also Autobots. Shit <laughs> <laughs> smashed within the joints. Um, yeah, but otherwise I've been working on... Yeah. The game? The game, Clash Cup, and yeah. uh, we're polishing and polishing. And Ooh, How's the beta going? It's that going good. Beta. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think for the swatch of people that we reached out to, we got a pretty good percentage of um, downloads. I was being trying to be realistic of, about it coming out, and it pretty much met my expectations well, that's in that good. way. Um, but yeah, <laughs> which is zero. I expected zero people. I was like, yeah, nobody's gonna, <laughs> nobody's gonna care, and uh, people did care, and so I was like, good. Um, but uh. Otherwise, if we, you want to be an optimist in this industry, start off as a pessimist. <laughs> no, I mean, that Work honestly your ways. is assume the worst if you're an indie dev. That's I don't want to be like do it yeah, every day. I don't know if it's like <laughs> this isn't I don't know recording. if it's full on pessimism, but uh, that's kind of what I do. I'm like, OK, so if yeah. But anyway, so working on that and uh, I haven't talked about this publicly yet, but um, we did finally get an email back from a Nintendo <gasps> and we they sent us a reply saying. Oh, sounds great. Send us a pitch doc, which we attached to the original email. <laughs> Ugh. So we sent them the same thing that we sent them. Slightly <laughs> different. <laughs> and we have it, to we have to approach this very carefully. Yeah. Well, <laughs> honestly, precipice. honestly, that's how I felt. Moment was just like, yeah, it's good. Just send it. And I was like, dude, like if it's the same doc, if it's the same thing, if like the way this whole thing is developed, like I feel like they sent it, actually sent us criteria of things they wanted to talk about. They wanted that they wanted. So we had bullet points and we addressed all of them mm-hmm. in the original doc, but it wasn't organized, kind of like they had it. Right. So I had to go through and rewrite it. And Mom was like, just send it. Like it's what I, like add that one little thing and just and I was like, no, no, no. Like they're gonna look at this and they need to get every bit of information out of this because right. we're not getting another shot at this thing. I made a pitch deck Monday morning for my pitches for GDC. Uh and I was like, I need to get this shit together. I should have been working on this like a week ago, but I didn't have time. Uh, all right, that's good. Looks fine. Um, no one asked for it. <laughs> I was like, great. You uh, just hand them over on a USB drive and just be like, here. You know, that's when when you get a chance. Jeez, man, you got you got the you got the scratch to just be giving out USB drives. Hey, I mean, a they pitch made of money. A pitch or is like four megabytes, when, right? <laughs> a nice PDF. When Circuit City went under, Mike was at the front I was door. There, <laughs> a crowbar pry yeah. the door open. So, just to be. No, I have never done that. But Cruisers for my, everyone. Uh, my uh, Timmins, the company I work at now, my day job, yeah. they uh, just do that every time. 
go into a presentation, they're just like, here, really? USB drives. And they just have like a box of them down in marketing. <laughs> I think I'm just going to take those and yeah. I'll just be like, yeah, I'm representing. Do they have like the Timmins logo yes, on them? Yes, they do. Yeah, yeah. They have the logo on them. Definitely. Since I work in, in, in state government, um, all of our computers have security software on them. Sure. And if you plug a USB drive into it, it will install the security software onto the USB drive. Oh, no. And then try to install it into another computer if you plug that same USB drive into something else. So I never plug anything into wow. That's terrifying. Into my computer. Just like, nope, 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 nope. Not touching this. I've always really wanted to do... So this is kind of a, uh, a off topic, but I've always wanted to do like a bubble machine, like a gotcha machine. Yes. Uh, with video games. Yes. And just be like, like video games in it, like yeah. USB drives. Yeah, S- but SB I can't cards? get the price down far, far enough. So I need some other s- type of. I, gosh, really, I, I think you've said is, that before to me, and I love. I just love yeah. that idea. Yeah, like, Scotch so Upon is twenty dollars per per pool. Well, I mean, like the 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 whole idea is like you're not going to be getting like Clash Cup or yeah. Peak or something. You'd be getting. You might like, get Peak. <laughs> <laughs> I think Peak would be a, a premium. I think I think you can go up to a dollar with those machines and still be like sensible. Yeah, two. I mean, even up to three for some things in Japan. Like, I mean, really? Yeah. So it's not. I would don't think it'd be out of the realm. But you could also do keys. You don't have to do USB drive. You could just have like right. But keys I think there's paper. something about like a physical oh, thing that would I want, really. I agree. I want hit clips, but for video games. That's what I want. Yeah. Yeah. You remember Hit Clips? Mm-mm. Uh, you hit can clips. hear like the same oh, 10 seconds of yeah, Backstreet yeah, Boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Or exactly. uh, just like basically just shitty Tamagotchi knockoffs. Yeah. We'll, we'll program little games on them. Yeah. So that's something that's still kind of kicking around in my head. That would be amazing. That's cool. I love that idea. That's cool. But piracy, Will, that one person who gets that USB drive and then she's going to seed it on, on uTorrent. Yeah, but then if no you one could... else is going to use your Gacha Paw <laughs> machine. <laughs> If you could buy it for like 50 cents though, like that, that level of don't want to buy it is so low. Right. The, the, the tough part would be like, is this a thing that exists in one place or is this an empire of machines? Mm -hmm. I see it as an empire of machines and it's distribution for jam. It could be like a jam box and you call it something like that. And it's only game jam games, you know, or something like that. Bring it to the, to the future rva game jams booth that might exist because something i've been thinking about this is way too big a topic right now but like just distribution in general like Mm -hmm. talking about the saturation of the market and everything and like apparently it was a topic at gdc everybody's talking about switch and how it's you know oh yeah the the switch gold rush is done yeah it's it's like dwindling quick if your game's not coming out by like november this year like like nobody's gonna see you Yeah. yeah so i've been thinking of ways there's just got to be new ways to distribute. Like we're all, we're what all we really get need on. to start doing is figuring out how to distribute. We all got to get on cartridge. Yeah, that's that's cartridge the, looks pretty. That's dope. the holy land. Yeah, I mean, itch is still my number one. Oh bay. Yeah. Oh, itch is amazing. But I'm psyched about cartridge. Itch box. That's all I'm saying. We can talk about it another time. <gasps> itch box. Itch box. I'm on board. We're, we need to book some flights to San Francisco yeah, right, right now. now. Get right now. on the phone. And Here, I'll DM you at Super Duper Burger. <laughs> yeah. We'll see you there. I'll DM Spencer. He's had a business development over there. Well, I'm glad Clash Cup's going well. I'm yeah, glad. it's coming along. I'm, we're looking forward to finishing it. I'm glad Oddish Adventure is going well. Um, I haven't been working on Peak much since I got back from GDC. I did play all of Super Hot at Alex's apartment oh, yeah. during GDC, which is the first time I played Super Hot. Super Hot is amazing. Uh, really like Super Hot. 
That that key that Kurt gave me has already been used. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Uh, Thanks anyway, Kurt. Wait, did, did you get that from Twitch, the Twitch Prime thing, or is that somewhere else? No, I think that was somewhere else. Oh. Or maybe, yeah, you got it from a bundle. How much is it on the Humble Bundle? Bumble, Bumble, Bumble. I don't know. Humble the, Bumble. The, the him, the Humble I might Bumble. just pay for it. Might as well. It's worth it's it. It's a good game. It's a really good game. And short, so it's a will manageable number nice. of hours like we beat the whole thing in probably like under six five maybe mm, that's pretty long come on <laughs> come on you're killing me just play one game this year just one game have i played a game yet you've played a game you've played games oh yeah i played zelda uh juggernauts is gonna be at uh pax east i'm very excited oh cool to play more juggernauts nice can i get can i get David back. Need yeah. my teammate. Get the team going. I get the team. Bringing the team back. Uh, but yeah, so I play super high. I played a lot of games, um, but we're running long. So maybe the episode after PAX East will be just like, we just talk about all the games. Here's the 500 games I've yeah, played in right, the last couple right, months. Right. Yeah. Just We just need to not talk about any sort of topics. Just talk about all the fucking games. You better. You, you better. Uh, I need to actually play some for games. that. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, Alex has accrued some. I have, like, a list of 20 I need to talk about. Wow. Um, I mean, it's just a bunch of stuff I touched at GDC or played beforehand. Or, yeah. It's just, we, a lot of shit's going on. That's good. So let's put a cap on this and get our shit done. <laughs> Will, All where right. can people find you? Uh, they can find me at 01010111.com. Or at x zero one zero one zero one 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 at Twitter dot com. X is very important. X is Gotta super important for that Twitter. Those hash tables. X. Somebody already sniped that name. So mm. lame. Walter. Walter. <laughs> Blam Tam. Walter Willington. <laughs> uh, Mike. You can find me at www.mikeodomart.com or redcactusm on Twitter. Red Cactus M. M. Red Cactus M. I'm really into the aesthetic of that handle. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Red Cactus it's M. Always, it always <laughs> reminds me. I don't know. It's because I know you like it, but it always reminds me of Mega Man Legends. Nice. Is that in Mega Man? No. Is that a reference? Okay. But I can imagine like a mech being called re- the Red Cactus M. I, just, I, have, I, have a, I have designed a mech named Reg. Red, nice. just so you know. Yeah. And I have a whole game centered around him. I really <laughs> like your Twitter profile image, but I want you to draw a red cactus. For I used to have one. Oh, yeah? And the reason it's my Twitter handle is Red Cactus is because my old website, portfolio site, was the Red Cactus Patch. And for some reason, I just had this fascination with the idea of a red cactus and something deeply seated in Final Fantasy VIII. I don't know, but... Are there any red cactuars? No, but there's jumbo cactuars. <laughs> and I thought it would be cool if they're red. I yeah. don't know. Get on that square. Yeah. I'm, I'm, Stop I'm being la- lazy devs. <laughs> <laughs> Stop re-releasing Final Fantasies. Jeez. Give me the one I want, which is whichever one the fan base is most right. fervent for. Whichever, whichever one it, everyone else wants. Is it seven now? Is it eight? I think people have moved is on it, from is it, seven. Is it well, 10? they know it's coming now, so they're like, yeah, oh, that's they, happening. They're, they're, what else can we content. talk about? We don't actually want that square. Yeah. <laughs> we want Kingdom Hearts 4. They'll get it. And you can find this podcast and all of our other podcasts at ward-games.com or on Twitter at wardvideogames or 
on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever else you can listen to podcasts. Just search Wardcast. Will, thank you. Thank you. Mike, thank you. Thank you as always. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you, Dylan. Joining yeah. me. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. Royal Thanks week. for having me. Yeah. This has been a great post GDC discussion. Yeah. Uh coming GDC. up. Next, next year, Will. Next year. Next yeah. next year. <laughs> so excited. Next year. Coming up. We have a huge slate of things. Uh next episode is gonna be our hidden gems. Hidden gems. Oh, yeah. Our hidden gems of PAX East. Uh Featuring like from the office, right? What? Like John Krasinski's character? <laughs> what? Hidden James? Hidden gems. Hidden gems? Hidden gems. I don't get the joke. Because his name's Jim. Got it. Yes. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> yeah. I'm here. Check. <laughs> Check, please. Uh, Hidden gems of PAX East featuring me, uh, other co-founder of Ward Games, Mason Brown, Felix Kramer, of Polytron and a bunch of other stuff. Um, Chief Thirst Officer <laughs> of Felix Co. <laughs> is their listing on another panel. Chief nice. Thirst Officer. Um, and then Mike Footer, the author of the Game Dev Business Handbook. It's an excellent lineup. Yes. I'm yeah. very excited. It's going to be an awesome panel. We had, our, we had our pre-panel discussion call this morning. Went very well. We're all super psyched. Excellent. Super pumped. Have you already scoped out the games? I have a huge ga- list of games I need to check out. Nice. Um, and then I found out Joggernauts is going to be there, so now <laughs> I need to go play Joggernauts again. Um, then after that, it's going to be another regular episode, hopefully with Alex this time, if he still exists Where in are the you, world. Alex? Where are you? Um, maybe that's when we'll catch up on all the games we've been playing, talk about all the games Will has been playing, all the many, many games Will has been playing. <laughs> when does Dark Souls come out on Switch again? Sometime soon. Maybe in May? I think it's May. I think yeah. it is May, yeah. Um, after that, we'll have uh, have an interview with Alex Barry, the animator on the Swords of Ditto. Nice. The episode after that. After that, another boring-ass episode with me, Will, and Alex. Nice. Then after that, <laughs> nice. uh, have an interview with Mike Bithel of Bithel Games. Oh, that's going to be real uh, nice. Creator of Thomas Was Alone, Volume, and Subsurface Circular. This would be an excellent time for me to play Volume. Me too. <laughs> Maybe I should play some of his games before I have him on the That's show. That's probably a good idea. I yeah. think. I think. Yeah. Um, Mike's. Mike's. I like Mike because I like. I like this Mike. I like Mike Odom, but <laughs> Mike Bithell's cool because you know he's very focused on narrative yeah. in his games. So I want to talk to him a bunch about narrative design. Very excited. Very awesome stuff. Yeah, that should be cool. Looking forward to it. But until next time, we'll see you all at PAX East. Well, not me. We'll yeah, see you all of not me either. The listeners at pax east what if the yeah. listeners don't go we'll see the select few people <laughs> that want to come to my panel at pax east and everybody should everybody's really what it is and then also after the panel if you want to talk to me more i'm gonna be helping out at the Finji booth nice nice oh, you can get some booth time too yeah because uh, sweet felix has to head out um so they can't do saturday or sunday so i'm taking over uh tunic demos so it's gonna be me and dicey running running things over there that's um, exciting. At the Very fin- cool. So the tunic section and the Finji booth and Finji is a part of Playground, um, which is uh, Finji, Vlambeer, and No More Robots conglomerate booth. So check out the Playground flag. should be waving overhead. We'll all be there. Sounds like a good time. Talk to cool people like Rami Ismail 
Rebecca Saltzman, and then maybe talk to me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Come say hi to me. But until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.